All right. What is up? I got Brandon Winchell on today. Hello, hello. Brandon Winchell is a friend from high school and now also college. I'm very excited to have him on. I think he's a smart, funny person, and I think we can have some interesting conversations. So, my first question for you is, you, like a year or two ago, actually did a bit of a podcast yourself, right? It was called the Intersectional Podcast, right? I actually listened to a few episodes. (laughs) I found it personally entertaining. I couldn't tell for sure if it was like the content or if it was just because it was like you guys. And it's, you know, like I knew you you uh, guys. But I was curious, what was your inspiration for starting it? um, So, I talk a lot. (laughs) And I think one of the big reasons I wanted to start it is because I felt like it was something that would like help other students um, because coming from like a perspective where I was in the IB program um, and like in school, like there's always so many different perspectives. Um, We wanted to try to come together as a group of a bunch of different people from different backgrounds and try to like provide some semblance of like a student voice um, where academics, like usually it's always the the staff that and the teachers that always um, bring everything and then all the students kind of just exist you know yeah. so um and then also we we had to do like some project for our ip program which was supposed to be like a group project and we needed to get like 20 or something i don't know how many hours i forget um, but we needed to get a certain number of hours for it to be completed and we we're like this will be a perfect opportunity originally we were going to do it with the whole ib class like whoa 16 wait people. a whole podcast but yes well, okay. It's so a lot thing, of mics. The, we, we weren't going to have the whole group there every podcast, you know, but we were going to try to um, u- utilize everyone's opinions and perspectives because we thought that would, like, add to the diversity of, like, the opinions we were saying. But um, it didn't end up happening because it was way too hard to plan with everyone. So then we, mm-hmm. we made it into, like, a group of four. Um, we still tried to include them at points, but it was just, like, very difficult, even with just us four we didn't record in person. So we had to figure out how to record each of our audios on our own. So we're all recording on our phones. We would do this thing where we'd all try to clap at the same time. We'd pull up a timer like on some website <laughs> and basically like we'd say when it hits like 2.30 and 25 seconds, we'd all try to clap. So then what? it would sync up. And then I, when I was going oh. back into audio editing, I would try to sync that up. That's smart because I was curious how... Because did you, like, talk over Zoom or something? We talked over Discord. Oh, uh, because I was curious how you would solve for the delay, maybe? But yeah. the online timer makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that's I creative. I think it was Fahim's idea or something. Um, I don't think I came up with it. But we we had to find a way to make sure our audios were going to be, like, at the same time. Because we were all recording from remote locations. Um, and, and was we, that because of COVID? Or, like, were you planning on doing it in person? Um, and then COVID happened? or I'm not even 100% sure. Gotcha. I forget what exactly happened. But... We kind of just did it because it was more convenient. Um, we could record more like if if we all had like something going on like 30 minutes before, uh, and 30 I see. minutes after, like we didn't have to meet up, do a whole setup. And I think it did kind of reduce the quality of the podcast we created. Um, we didn't have video or anything. Did you guys, like I know you didn't have video in the podcast, but were you guys able to see each other or was it just? No. Oh, okay. No. So that it seems just, tough. It was like a phone call. Yeah, I see. So that. it's like. I think a big part about podcasting is like you're having a conversation with someone. Yeah. Um, and obviously you can still have a conversation over the phone, but it's just a much different environment than like yeah. when you could actually see the person. It's like, I don't know. So we just used discord. We didn't have cameras on or anything. Um, just the audio call and recording. We had like P 
people were recording on different things. I think I was recording on my phone. I think Karina might have been recording on something different. Sorry, I'm laughing because I remember I was listening to one. And cause since you guys were recording on different things, I think someone had like a slightly worse mic than the others. <laughs> yes. So every time they yes. came in, it yes. was like, Shh. I was like, oh, she's about to talk or he's about to talk. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is the thing is we tried to solve for those issues and i was like maybe just record on your phone but i think her uh karina's pc was like really loud so she couldn't do that so i think she was recording on her like headset but then her headset had some static in the background <laughs> and then i had like an actual microphone and Fahim was recording on his phone and lily was doing something else it was like completely different ways of like recording for each people for each person and it was like it didn't sound as good as it could have, um, but I wasn't going to be like, oh, everyone needs to get a microphone, blah, blah, blah. What I think um, is really cool, though, is be- even though you had all these, like, kind of, like, uh, like a shitty mic <laughs> set up, <laughs> to be frank, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, that didn't prevent you from doing it. Because I feel like a lot of people want to try something, but they're like, oh, I got to yeah, have all this yeah, money yeah. to buy this tech beforehand, mm-hmm. where you guys just thought, well, yeah. we're never going to learn how to actually do it. Yeah, so we, we didn't really, like think about as much into the technical aspects of doing it and that made like the editing of it a lot harder for me because I would do I was the one who would I put all the audio clips in one thing and because of the mic quality being bad I'd sometimes have to cut out everyone's audio individually when they weren't talking because there was too much background noise Uh. so I couldn't even like use a noise profile or like a limiter to like cut out the like static part because like it was just so inconsistent oh I see so I had to do like all that manually and it was just, it took forever. Um, and I think maybe trying to approach it from a different perspective and looking at like the technical aspects first would have helped. Um, but we didn't do that. We were like, we just want to like try this. And I think that was like, obviously a good thing because we, we wouldn't have started if we like took too long to look at the yeah. technical aspects. Dude, the whole thing about putting the separate tracks and then having to like yep. cut out yep. specific parts of each track. So I was in choir during COVID, right? Yeah. So we would record each kid. So you had like a hundred person <laughs> choir recording on yeah. their own phone or something, and then putting all of those tracks oh, no. into this thing, dude. That I had to edit some of those. Oh my, terrible! <laughs> so hard. I'm sure I heard similar things from like orchestra because I wasn't mm. in any music program. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. But, but they it was like all instruments. had to like, and I think you probably had to level that too, because yeah. obviously, like when you're playing in like a live musical group, like or you're singing or whatever, you know, like, the volume that you need to sing at compared to everyone else. But, like, if you're recording it, obviously, it's going to depend yeah. on the mic and the gain level. And, whatever. and not everyone knows, like, what clipping is. Uh-huh. So oh, they'll so be, so like, singing, and it's just, it's like, oh. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I know that. The, the logistical part of it was, was very hard. And then I think another thing that, like, made it so our podcast kind of lost some quality was, like, the planning part. It was just hard to come up with ideas what to talk about and everything i don't think we yeah i actually wanted to ask you about that because with my podcast i have like a guest on each time so i don't Mm -hmm. really have to think of ideas it's more just you know we have a conversation by nature of having a different guest there'll be different topics Mm -hmm. so i was curious i feel like it'd be much harder in your situation where you have the same people in each episode you got to find like a different thing to talk about and the thing is we weren't we're not like some big media corporation where we can like do a bunch of research on like news or whatever, like a specific topic. One time we tried to do like, I think a big podcast on like the, we're going to do a podcast on the events of all of 2020 and like each of us was going to tackle one different topic. And that didn't end up ever happening because we just like simply that's too much work for like our group. And I think like having a, sort of podcast like yours, it's a lot easier to like do that because you could just like see their perspective. But when we're trying to just use the same people 
over and over and not really have like that different perspective as much we were coming up with like weird ideas like one of ours was about like food debates it was like yeah, i watched that whole, one <laughs> yeah yeah it was like it's a hot dog a sandwich and we just rambled on the whole yeah. podcast about like random stuff i discovered that macaroni pizza exists oh of yeah that podcast oh yeah i didn't know that was a thing <laughs> i don't even really remember what we talked about <laughs> in that podcast but yeah um it was just it was weird coming up with ideas um because a lot of the times our ideas were just weird i think one of them was like do you want to live, would you ever live on the moon? Like, I mean, it was, it was an interesting conversation, but I don't think what, what I thought our issue with our podcast was, is it didn't really add insight. Like we're, we're talking about these topics, but we're not like researching them enough to know enough to provide like something that someone would want to listen to. Like, yeah. Did you ever feel like since you guys were, I don't want to say just high school students, but yeah. cause you were just high yeah. school students, you didn't feel qualified to talk about a lot of things yeah. you would have wanted to. Yeah. And I think, I mean, part of our podcast was like, kind of appealing to that high school audience like oh we're giving a perspective that other high school students like would possibly have so i think that was like one of our strengths but also like the topics that we chose we didn't necessarily have enough expertise to like talk about a lot of the times interesting yeah i feel i did appreciate that you guys did talk a lot about kind of how to survive in high school and like academic stuff which i think is actually it's kind of smart because you took things you we're kind of qualified to talk mm-hmm. about because you were high school students that were successful in high school. Yeah. So like who better to learn how to become successful yeah. in high school yeah. than successful high school students. Uh-huh. That's what we were like trying to do with most of the podcasts. But then the, the issue is we ran into like roadblocks with like how many ideas can we come up with about this? Like how many times can uh, we yeah. talk about the same thing? So like our episodes, I think what we were trying to do was first episode or like all the odd numbered episodes were going to be like about a school about a school topic something like that and then all the other ones were like fun topics but like if you're trying to just be like a podcast and build a brand you can't like necessarily switch up as much like i I feel like you should have like a niche especially when we weren't as established and also because you're not having like a different guest on every time but it's more you four i feel like the audience you would attract would be more based on you guys as a brand rather than um the, like people like for example if i bring on a guest that might be popular or something yeah. people might watch it even yeah. if they hate me or don't really like uh, you know like me as like my style of talking but when it's solely based when it's like the yeah. same people each time it's like you're the brand that brings the mm-hmm. people to the podcast no that makes sense and i just like i don't think we had enough of like an established brand like we didn't really <clears throat> market ourselves i guess mm-hmm. we i think we were trying to like use the idea as the platform as opposed to like using our like identities and stuff to like build that i don't know i will say i thought the thumbnails were fire oh the art. that was all lily yeah that's what um, I lily is an artist um that was yeah so we we did segment a lot of like we did compartmentalize like a lot of our responsibilities like i was like the audio person lily did all like the uh, art and stuff i think fahim was responsible for um actually like putting it on spotify and stuff so we like did diffuse the responsibilities um i think it was just hard for us to like kind of make it something that we really wanted to and that's why we like stopped Um, i remember fahim told me that you guys like kind of what you were saying earlier you wanted to get into like deeper issues i guess later mm -hmm. on i was curious what certain things were you interested in talking about in the future possibly deeper issues i think a lot of it like I don't know, at its conception, a lot of it was about, like, high school and, like, problems that we face in high school. Um, I think 
like I said, that 2020, the one we were going to do like a 2020 wrap-up podcast oh, about, we we're going to talk a lot about like coronavirus and stuff like that. But it, like I said, I don't think we've researched enough and I don't think we had like the determination to like do this for something that we weren't like required to do for school or anything. Um, but I don't know exactly what deeper issues you might have been touching on. <laughs> Interesting. The, thing, <laughs> the thing is we, like a lot of our podcast just like the ideas were weird like me and him we had like a solo like it's like so it was me it was four people me and him did one together just us really? two. and then the other two karina and lily did one together and we just was it like a battle of the sexes or something <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why we did it i think we wanted to switch it up because i don't mm-hmm. think we were like um happy with what we were producing or something at that point um at least I was, like, a little, like, we should probably try to do something different. But, like, we did, like, favorite movies. Like, we didn't really try to do anything, like, deeper. Um, do you feel like you learned anything from doing the podcast? Oh, yeah. I mean, I learned quite a bit, like, about, like, how you got to organize something, planning. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a lot more about just, like, working with other people. Um, and, like, obviously I learned a lot about, like, the technical aspects of, like, how you'd have to go about, like, editing and stuff like that. What about speaking in general? Do you feel like it helped you at all with that? because um, that's one of my main goals of this podcast yeah, it's just uh, talking I don't know I, I definitely think subconsciously it did like oh yeah I see I can't, I can't really say like specific like things that help me speak about I try not to ramble but when we were doing that podcast I would ramble and ramble really? and ramble so I think it didn't help me much um, from what I like remember like in the process of doing it but obviously like subconsciously i think it did help me speak a lot what about just the process of sitting down with other people with like the main goal is to just talk and have a conversation Mm -hmm. i feel like that doesn't happen a lot these days like you'll hang out with someone and maybe you'll talk about but you're also on your phone Mm -hmm. or you're getting food and the main thing in this situation was just talking that is something that i think is like really cool about podcasts and i think i've been reading a lot about like residence and meditation and stuff and we're just always so distracted in this world and i think that might have been something that helped me appreciate just like talking to people um really connecting because i used to be really introverted i don't know if you remember in high school i was like pretty shy i would say at points maybe like as i got older i got less shy um but after that like going into college i feel like i was a lot more extroverted and maybe the podcast without me knowing like it did that oh, made me appreciate it more um Because definitely, like, I started talking a lot more uh, after, like, I started getting into, like, junior, senior year of high school. And that's, like, when we started the podcast. So maybe. Interesting. (laughs) But I guess just as of lately, like, I've come to appreciate talking a lot more just because of, like, the reading I'm doing on, like, meditation and stuff like that. Um, Okay. Well, I'm actually really into meditation as Mm -hmm. well. So I'm curious what got you into it. Um, I think the thing that really got me into it, because I struggle a lot with, like, anxiety issues and... I obviously, like, I'm trying to find ways, like, everyone who has, like, a mental health problem is, like, what do I do to fix it? Like, how do, like, how do you stop feeling, like, depressed if you're, like, depressed? Or how do you, like, stop being scared of everything if you're anxious? And I think, like, doing research, I was, like, oh, meditation. Like, that just sounds so peaceful. (laughs) Um, So I started doing reading. Um, I started reading into it, like, on just online articles. And then Headspace, Calm, like, all those apps, you know, those, the marketing it worked. Yeah. <laughs> so I like, got into it. Um, I don't think I ever like purchased a membership for many of them. I just used the free ones. But uh, no, it really, I think that's what spurred my interest. So how are how you been meditating? Do you I, do it consistently? I don't do it consistently. That's fair. And I, I want to, um, and I wish I could more. 
but the more that I like read into it, there's a lot of different perspectives. There's like the Eastern Asian, like, I know. Buddhist philosophy, it's and then there's confusing like after there's all. now like the new Western perspective where a lot of like I feel like some people are doing it for like the trend, but it's it's getting more like popular in Western culture, and I think it's like diverging a little bit from its roots. Um, but I've come to realize you can meditate just by like being in the moment. Like you don't have to actively be like sitting like this. And just, like, <laughs> like, yeah, I totally agree. I, I noticed myself, I kind of, ta- I talked about it on a few of the podcasts before, uh-huh. but I'll be either hanging out with friends or, mm. or doing something, right? And maybe something will get me a bit irritated, right? Yeah. And before I would just feel like, okay, I'm irritated. I'm in an irritating thought, so I should be irritated right now. Mm-hmm. But now I could kind of see it from like a third person perspective yes. Or I see the thought, I'm like, whoa, I'm getting a bit fired up. Do I really want to be mad about this thing? And then I try to, I guess, analyze the thing that's irritating yeah. me and seeing if it's worth it, I guess. Yeah. And it's actually helped in a lot of situations where I probably would have been a dick to my friends or something. Instead, just let it go and then have a good time. Uh-huh. Yeah, so like, have you read any like books specifically or like, why do you just like watch YouTube? I haven't read anything. I... I watch Sam Harris a lot, okay. and he has a meditation app. I actually got his yearly membership. Mm-hmm. I haven't used it a lot in the past few weeks, but I think his style of meditation I really liked because it's it's pretty much just – it's kind of trying to get in that mode of just seeing your thoughts from a third-person yeah. perspective yeah. and realizing that you are not necessarily your thoughts because they kind of just pop up. Mm-hmm. And I, don't know, I, found, I found that very helpful. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you know – have you heard of The Power of Now? vaguely but i'm not really sure what okay. it is so do you know kendrick lamar how he just dropped like a new album i like, did it okay but that's okay. all kendrick i don't really know like yeah. rap that well <laughs> no worries kendrick lamar just dropped a new album um recently i forget how long ago it was probably like a month ago at this point um and it was called i don't know the name is irrelevant basically he like was inspired a lot by like eckhart Tolle, the guy who wrote the power of now and like some other books and his book is all about just, like, being in the now. Like, if you're in the now, nothing is wrong. Like, you can't you, – you've always been able to cope with the now. Oh, but if you always place yourself in the past and you, like, criticize your mistakes or you always, like, think about the future and put yourself in, like, a future situation, you feel like you can't cope. But if you're always just in the now, there's, like, never a problem because you've always been able to cope with the now. And there's yeah. nothing more than it's it's crazy. No, that's all. I Sam Harris says that a lot. Like when you're sitting down meditating, mm-hmm. sometimes like a mild irritation can start to feel like like really bad pain just because your mind kind of starts mm-hmm. acting like it is. And he says that like you might think it's unbearable, but that's because you're thinking of the future pain, like oh I'm gonna have to keep bearing this. Mm-hmm. But instead, if you think about it, each moment you've been thinking about it, you've been bearing the pain, so it's not unbearable. Yeah, yeah. No, it's crazy to think about. And what I, I like saw a TikTok on it. It was like, oh, Kendrick Lamar's new album was inspired by this book. And then I read that book. Like, I, I don't think I finished it yet. I've like read most of it. But just like, that's what's gotten me back into it recently. Um, and I think like TikTok is crazy. Let me, let me just say that. <laughs> TikTok is crazy. So there's this guy I see, and he always has like the same ideas. He has a podcast too. I forget his name exactly. It's like Andrew Moraine or something. And he has, like, a podcast called, like, Dualistic Unity. And I always see his TikToks, and they're always about this topic. Um, and I don't know if it's the algorithm that's, like, bringing me back to it. It's definitely the it, algorithm. It's definitely the algorithm. <laughs> but also, it just, like, shows that there's just this greater interest in meditation and, like, that kind of presence um, 
that we haven't like seen, I guess, in the recent past and in like Western society. So I think that's just like showing how how it's growing. Yeah, I wonder if it, I wonder if it coincides with the rise in mental health mm-hmm. because a lot of people. It seems like nowadays there's a lot, either either people are more open about it or there just is more people with yes. mental issues. Yeah. And then if that's the case, I wonder if meditation is rising in popularity as a as remedy way of to like that. coping. Yeah. yeah. That's what I always thought was really interesting. Is there more mental health issues now, or are we just recognizing them as issues now? What and do you think? I want to say, well, because I'm, I'm in psychology, you know, I, I've, like, read, like, research about this. I think, from what I've heard, like, it's about, like, the same, but I don't, I feel like I don't believe that. Like, about the same as in like, the same amount? The same, it's, like, the same prevalence over the past few years as it was compared to, like, in the 1980s or something um but i don't know if that's true like i I, maybe maybe that was like one study wait could it be that maybe we just it was the same amount but we just know more about it because of Mm -hmm. online access that that could be it i think i don't want to believe that i think the internet is like a problem but maybe like there was vices like the internet in the past that we used Uh. to have um but i think like we're just all so addicted to our phones to like constant media consumption and i'm not 100 percent sure like if that's something that has been researched enough um but i definitely think that's adding to like the mental health problems that we're seeing oh for sure yeah social media bro i i i feel very lucky because when tiktok started i never downloaded it and i (laughs) my sister did and there's been times where my sister comes in my room to show me one TikTok, and then we sat there for two hours yes. just watching. Yes. And I totally could tell if I had it on my phone and, like, mm-hmm. started when it started, yeah. I would, like, it'd be a constant thing I'm watching. So I'm, I feel lucky. It's kind of like, it's kind of like meth, you know. I've never tried meth, <laughs> so I don't know how good it is. So I don't have a, I don't feel the need to do it. Yeah. But, no, I agree. Social media, I've been trying to cut down. I've, I've cut down everything but Instagram and YouTube. Mm-hmm. So... I'm getting there. Yeah, the, the thing about YouTube is like, I don't feel like it's as social media. Either. That's true. That's true. It's just I feel like it's one of those it's things addicting. that draw. It's, it's addicting for sure. It's like it's like longer TikToks that are probably more well well made. <laughs> exactly. It's like in between TikTok and TV is what I would. say. Well, also YouTube, YouTube kind of tricks you sometimes because sometimes you'll be watching a video. Maybe it's about self help. Maybe it's a instructive podcast, mm-hmm. and you tell yourself, "Oh, this isn't wasting time. I'm learning." Which, you know, is useful, but when you're just wa- binge-watching self-help videos and then afterwards you just mm-hmm. go to sleep and don't do any of it, yeah. you feel like you've succeeded in something when you really haven't. I fell in that trap a lot yeah, during crazy. COVID. Yeah, no, I've never really thought about it, but just like, I don't know. I can't really explain it, but Eckhart Tolle was talking about it. Like, we all are just so drawn into the media and we're, like, becoming, like, this kind of hive mind connected by, like, social media and mass media and, like, everything, and we're all, like, kind of trapped in that and if you don't like realize that we're all like partially addicted then you're like still stuck in that and i feel like i've experienced life differently after like realizing that and i try to cut down on my phone time as much as i can wait wait can you explain that more what do you mean you feel like you've experienced life differently it's it's weird so in his book he kind of talks about this too like you can't really explain it in words okay so like this is actually a couple weeks back when I had COVID, and I was oh, just like, yeah. I didn't have a lot to do. Glad you're better, by the way. Yes, I appreciate it. I am. I'm doing a lot better. Um, but no, COVID is going crazy right now. <laughs> it's it's going crazy. Um, 
but yeah, so I had nothing to do and I was in the house all day and I was like, I'm just going to go sit outside and like sitting outside, like everyone's like, oh, that's like relaxing. But if you just like sit outside, I think one way that helps me meditate is like, you know, a lot of people like close their eyes and just like sit there. I think like looking at things, like when I just like look around and I'm like, that is just magnificent. It's just yeah. insane how like how much like life there is kind of is what that's kind of the way he describes it, how much life there is and like things that we don't think of as like alive. Like if I just like look at a water bottle, I'm like, that's crazy. Look at how like insane like we don't recognize how much like i don't know i don't even know what i'm saying but like no i kind of i kind of get what you're saying like i remember i have these friends and we'll like sit in a hot Mm -hmm. tub together and i remember one time i was just sitting there they were talking and i kind of zoned out Mm -hmm. and i just saw like the steam coming in front of my eyes while i was looking at this palm tree Uh i was just like holy shit this is insane i I wasn't high or anything you know i was just Uh enjoyed it yeah, you just, like, don't realize the beauty of everything. Um, and this is, like, also something, like, dopamine detox. I don't know if you've heard of that. But I think we're just so drawn into, like, the things that, like, quickly catch our attention that we don't really, like, appreciate life as much as we did in the past or, like, as much as people mm, did in the I past. See. Um, just because we're, like, always so trapped into, like, doing those things that feel good to our brain. Um, yeah, like, online everything's very stimulating. So mm-hmm. in real life, when you see a water bottle, what's yeah, stimulating like, about that? That's a water bottle. But what, yeah, exactly. But I guess when you really take time mm-hmm. to just look at it, mm-hmm. you could maybe start to get that feeling you would get for some TikTok yeah. about the water yeah. bottle. Exactly. <laughs> I want, here's an idea. Do you think another reason, maybe like things like looking at a water bottle don't seem super crazy or like looking at nature don't seem cool to us is because since we're on our phone or TV or watching a screen all the time, our vision's always flattened, right? We're seeing everything kind of in 2D. So then when we look at the real world, I don't know, this is just like spitball. Maybe like we kind of get a flattened view of the world instead of seeing things in true 3D. Because I remember I was listening to this one thing that was talking about being present and kind of saying what you're saying. We're trying to like look at the world around you and really appreciate it. And afterwards I went on a walk and I try to I try to just focus on like what was in front of me. And I literally felt like the world was like, yeah. coming into like yes. moving yes. past me it was weird like i really felt like i was in a 3d world it was uh-huh. weird no like i don't know i'm like trying to focus on it right now and just like looking at your face it's just like it's there like, like everything, yes. everything, <laughs> everything is just so real um but i don't think we really like recognize the beauty of like the world when we're constantly like looking at maybe that is what it is i've never thought about it like that but like yeah. 3D versus 2D, everything we see is, like, just a representation of 3D when we're, like, looking on a flat screen. Um, but, like, truly, like, being able to experience that is, like, a whole different thing. Dimensionality is also crazy, right? <laughs> what, like, the, t- the fact that, oh, my God. So, I watched this video. Sorry, this is tangent, No, you're good, you're tangential. good. That's um, what conversations <laughs> are. So, like, one dimension is just, like, one direction, right? And then two dimensions, you could build, like, a box, right? Yes. And then three dimensions is, like, what we live in and then the fourth dimension like the time dimension is crazy to me it's multiple like instances of 3d and we just constantly are living in like i don't know it's crazy like what would the fifth dimension even be? you want to hear something that will blow your mind yes i was reading this book right and it was it's one of these theory of everything books Mm -hmm. where they try to describe all of reality physics blah 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 Mm -hmm. so i'm like confused half the fucking time right (laughs) but they're explaining the fourth dimension Mm -hmm. and 
So we think of time as something we could easily move through, right? Yeah. And we have this idea of time travel where in the future we could change something mm -hmm. because time is fluid, weird shit like that, right? Mm -hmm. While this bottle, right, it's 3D. So it's something you could just cut through, Yeah. right? So going with your instances in time, this book said, imagine you had a four-dimensional block, right? So it's like all of those instances stitched together within the time dimension kind of, right? So yeah. in order. So it's like now it's not a fluid thing. It's just a block with the instances in it. And they were talking about, it was so weird. It was like cutting the block up into slices, these instances, and then arranging them in a different order and seeing if we would be able to tell. And the idea was something like, since it's not fluid, like moving through, like since time doesn't change, the actual blocks don't change. It's not like you're moving through time. You're just an instance in time. So we wouldn't technically notice. I don't know if any of that makes sense. I remember reading it just being, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I'm lost, but all the, like, it's just crazy to think about that, like, time is a dimension. According to, like, physics, they are, like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I'm not in physics. You're yeah. in physics. Yeah, I'm not that far in physics. <laughs> <laughs> but just, like, the fact that, like, time is another, like, way that we experience dimensions. Like, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't even, I can't even comprehend it. To the yeah. point where I can speak about it in a coherent manner. That's why I'm just so perplexed sounding, right? Okay, now. well, what about this? Thinking about, like, the idea that time is just, like, instances of three-dimensional yeah, space, yeah. right? Uh -huh. So have you heard of this thing called the Boltzmann brain? No. So basically, I, I'm, I'm going to say shit like I sound like I know what I'm talking about, yeah. but I really don't. <laughs> so basically, in quantum mechanics, right, electrons or particles can there's a small probability that they'll randomly teleport to another position, right? Okay. So not move there, but teleport, right? So instantaneously. Yeah. So the idea of a Boltzmann brain is it's going to be an extremely low probability that this happens, but it's not zero. It's non-trivial, right? There's a probability that all these electrons and particles randomly teleport into the formation of a fully formed brain, right? And assuming like all of your thoughts and all of your experiences arise from like the physical brain, right? Mm -hmm. This brain forms... And essentially, the idea is that you could be this brain right now, like all, with all the memories you have. It feels like you've been around forever, but you could have just been made this instance, like through that random teleportation. And like any instance, you could just all break apart. Yo, what? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That hurts my head. To yeah. Think about. I remember I tried thinking of, I, when I first read about it, I just kept thinking, I was like, but my memories, you know, I've been around forever. And then I kept thinking, but really, like, like right this second, I could have just been created. <laughs> right this second, you know. Right now, it's so weird to think about. No, that I I'm I remember I told you this a while back, like when we were talking about like the physical and like biological like determinism stuff, like that freaked me out because yeah. like when when someone has like anxiety issues, they feel like they want to be in control of everything, and I I've gotten so much better about it. Like I'm like, oh, maybe I am just just floating, and like I don't have any like way of dictating what happens next um even with like my choices or my free will um but like that is something again that's just like what um the thing that i think is really interesting is like how could we know that like immaterial things like thoughts and memories and whatnot how can we know that arises only from like physical like obviously like from biology like that's the only thing we can observe us like the physical but like how do we even 
Yeah, I see. No, like how how could you ever prove that? That's the thing that that's one of the things that kind of annoys me about consciousness uh-huh. is. I think I talked about it on the last podcast. You'll never be able to fully prove it. Mm-hmm. But yet again, literally anything you'll never technically be able to fully prove because there's always the chance, you know, we're in a simulation or mm-hmm. something like that. But I think uh, that point about like the thoughts, right? Immaterial things. Because my question is like, where are the thoughts? Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, That's why I'm like, I, I think physical determinism, like it makes sense. Logically <coughs> it makes sense, but there's always like doubts. I'm like, where? Like, if there's, if it all, like, arises from that, like, where does it exist then? Yeah. Does it exist in space? Or does, like, is there a way it can, like, exist in physics but not exist in space-time? Does that make sense? No, I totally, I totally get you because we don't view thoughts as a physical thing that uh-huh. takes up space, right? Yeah. But it's just hard for me to imagine that, I don't know, I just... I feel like it has to be somewhere, you know? It does. That's what I'm thinking. That's why I'm so perplexed by this issue. It's interesting. The, they also, I remember watching some podcast and this guy was talking about how he doesn't like how scientists always think just in the materialistic world as in, as if like nothing else exists. Cause there's the idea of, uh, like basically mathematics, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of mathematics isn't physically there. Yeah. But, like, it's kind of like thoughts. Like, they just exist. I think it's called, like, Platonic, Plato's something. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, like, some philosopher probably came yeah. up with this way back. You know what you're <laughs> saying? I don't know what you're saying. Um, but, no, I, I agree. I think somehow we want to be more than our physicality, though, too. I feel like that's part of it. Like, I feel like that's part of, like, the reason why yeah. I'm so resistant to it. But it's also, like, logically, there is holes. Like, where do these things like exist? Like, can they just exist as a byproduct? Well, there, have you heard of the idea of panpsychism? What's that mean? It's essentially the idea that just like an electron has the property of charge or the property of mass, consciousness itself is also just a property of matter. And all pieces of matter have some level of consciousness. And it's kind of like how as you add electrons together, atoms together, the mass increases. Maybe as you add matter in a specific formation like a human, the con- level of consciousness increases. That... So that's something that Eckhart Tolle is talking about. In his really? Book. Like, okay, so he he uses consciousness to mean, like, a lot of things. But that's why he's saying there's, like, life in everything. He's like, if you look at a leaf, that has consciousness right there. Because, and he, he talks about how we're losing consciousness as a species because we're getting so addicted to, like, just constantly consuming what is, like, pleasing. But pure consciousness is realizing that we are all just one thing. One thing part of this one system Holy shit. Exactly. It's crazy. It kind of makes you think how all the neurons in your head, right, are working together to create the brain and then there's consciousness. But do does each single neuron know that they're contributing to this larger yeah. consciousness? And then it's like, well, all of the humans in this, our species are working together. Could there be like a species-wide consciousness yeah. that we don't individually experience? That's, that's the crazy <clears> thing. It's like we're all part of a system, a larger functioning system. And like – Everything on our body is part of a larger functioning system to make our body work. And then all humans are part of this larger functioning system to make, like, the earth work or whatever, yeah. life on earth. And then the earth is just a part of this larger functioning system to make the solar – it's just, like, everything is just, like, minuscule when you really look at it. <coughs> and one thing, like, I've, I've been reading this other book called, like, How to Influence People and Win Friends or something. Oh, like that. I know that book. Yeah, That's a fantastic – yeah, it's a fantastic – I should read it again because it has a – it's like really useful stuff. Yes. Like, yeah. um, 
we always have like this need to like feel important but like if you think about it nothing really matters if you like I don't know you don't have TikToks so this isn't gonna make any sense but there's TikToks that are like in the grand scheme of the world it's like basically it will be this video and it'll just be text and it'll be like oh I don't want to talk to this girl and then it just zoom it's like basically a picture of the earth or like a this animation of the earth and it zooms out and it zooms out into like the solar system and it zooms out into like the bigger galaxy so it's basically saying that like nothing matters and then people have been starting to like make memes where it's like I only killed 30 orphans when I find them <laughs> over and it's like it's, it just zooms out like it doesn't matter that's terrible <laughs> but like on like obviously we have morals and like i'm not saying that's yeah. all right no right? of course <laughs> i get it though i get but, that. like nothing if we look at the world or like the universe or the multiverse i don't know it's a multiverse a thing i don't is that a physical thing like in physics i'm i've been reading a book and this one it's, it's called our mathematical universe mm-hmm. by max teg max tegmark i think okay and he talks there's actually four levels yeah theoretically of a multiverse and Okay, I'll give like a real quick explanation because I don't want to go on too long about because I I don't feel like I explain it super well. But essentially, the first level is so if the if space is infinite, right? Then that means there's only a there's a finite amount of arrangements atoms can be in a specific space, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So essentially, if space is infinite, then there's an infinite amount of like Earths where we're having this exact conversation, stuff like that, right? So there's an infinite amount of infinite amount of things, right? So the idea is that the level one multiverse and the problem when talking about multiverse is like people have people use the word multiverse in different settings. Yeah. Yeah. So this doesn't mean like completely different universes because it's all part of like the same universe. But essentially level one would be just copies of like these infinite. Yeah. uh, Like, for example, the observable universe, right? It's 13 point something eight billion light years. So that right next to it is another one that would be like a separate multiverse or universe. So that's level one. And again, I don't know if I'm explaining it amazingly. So then level two, (laughs) level two is essentially, so there's this thing called inflation theory. I don't know the math behind it or anything like that, but it says that when the big bang happened, space started expanding and you know how when bread dough rises, right? And then you have like a normal loaf of bread. There's like the air pockets in it. Yeah. So the idea is that the universe is a similar thing where it rises super fast, causing these pocket universe universes to form. And in each universe, the laws of physics are the same, but there's different constants of physics. Yeah. So like an electron might weigh half as much in another universe. So it's really interesting because there's this idea of fine tuning. Have you heard of it? Uh, music. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a... It's some physics, I don't even know if you'd call it a theory. It's basically the idea that a lot of the physical constants are in such a specific amount to allow humans to exist. Like if an electron was just a few centimeters, a few like grams heavier or some whatever the number, I don't know the exact number. Something, something, something like that, right? Like that. If it was just a little bit heavier, then maybe atoms wouldn't be able to form bonds and then humans could never exist, right? Okay. So a lot of... Religious people use that as an argument for, you know, a divine person who created the universe with the fine-tuned things. But this inflationary idea is that, well, actually there's infinite amount of universes with all the different types of constants that exist. And we would just have, like, obviously we're going to be in the one that's good for human life because or else we wouldn't exist. Yeah. So then level three 
is goes with quantum mechanics. Have you heard of the many worlds theory? No. So basically, have you heard of So there's like Schrodinger's cat, right? Yeah. So uh, electron can be in two positions out or two, a superposition of two positions at once, right? So if it's like spin up, the thought experiment is that it causes this liquid to spill, killing a cat in the box, right? And if it's spin down, it doesn't cause a liquid to spill, cat's alive, right? So the idea is you're taking this microscopic superposition and expanding it to macroscopic object, the cat. So it's like in a superposition of alive and dead, supposedly. So a lot of people just stop here, but the idea of the mini worlds theory is that, well, now imagine I'm a scientist looking over the box and I'm in a room with no windows and a scientist is outside this room. Well, now I'm in a superposition to the scientist of seeing the cat dead or seeing the cat alive. And the idea is you can keep expanding this to the whole universe. And the mini worlds theory basically says that when you measure the particle up or down, yeah. it doesn't just collapse, but there's a another universe where it's measured the opposite. So that's like a level three multiverse where basically it has something to do with quantum mechanics, right? I'm going on a bit of a tangent. I, I can't even really explain level four. I don't really know what it means. I haven't gone to that part of the book yet. But uh, yeah, so there's theories for the multiverse. Oh, I, I think that's what you. I think that's what you originally my asked. Question was, yeah, I was like, "What is a multiverse?" And then you went on to explain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but my my whole point, I think, was just that, like, with so much out there, us being so tiny, like, what really matters? Like, <laughs> that's the whole point. Yeah. After that long tangent. No, I know. I kind of went off, but no, it's okay. I think, I think that's a. See, it's interesting because mm-hmm. sometimes it's good to think. That in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Like, let's say you want to text a girl, kind of like your TikTok idea. It's like, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. So just do it, right? You'll be sad for a day if she rejects you, blah, blah, blah. Now, on the other hand, obviously, in like the three orphans cases, (laughs) you need to to create some sort of sense of meaning and matter at our scale or else you just get nihilistic and then just, you know, die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's... uh... It's a weird medium. You gotta you gotta find kind of like the happy medium between like not caring and understanding that some things you gotta care yeah. about. Yeah, I like the idea of like you just create your own meaning. Whatever it's like cliche. Yeah. Like yeah. what what? How do you feel like you find meaning in life? That is a very hard question. Um, have you read *Man's Search for Meaning*? No, I have it on okay. audio Audible though. I okay. just have it. Yeah, no, because I've read it. It's basically like that. Just create your own meaning. Um, in life it's for the longest time i was younger and for the longest time i was younger (laughs) (laughs) no when i was younger is what i meant to say um i used to think like the main goal should be to be happy um but the more i like read into like all this like philosophical spiritual stuff like happiness is like a fleeting emotion and if you're constantly seeking to be happy like Happiness exists in a dichotomy with sadness, and you can only be happy if sadness exists. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like I'm trying to stop chasing it, but it's so hard because happiness is like any other like addiction. You want to like constantly yeah. feel that like positive feeling that you get from it. Um, so I guess like for the longest time, like last semester or no, two semesters ago, last year in college, I was like, my one goal in life is to find peace um, because I was honestly uh, constantly just in like turmoil in my head. I was like, I can't like find any like sense of like rest or like um, refuge. 
page for like all my like thoughts and stuff um and i've now like obviously like everyone wants to be famous sorry this is like kind of tangential but it like also is like where do i find meaning i want to like everyone wants to be known by other people and like feel important to other people um but i've come to realize like even the most famous people like if you think about it like people in other countries have no clue who they are probably sometimes like if you think who, who's like the most famous celebrity you'd say I think Elon Musk is pretty popular right now. Yeah, Elon Musk. But, like, are people in, like, northern Africa that are living in, like, village, do they even know who Elon Musk is? No, so, like, I see what you really mean, yeah. Matter? Like, should you really be chasing fame, like, on the largest scale if you really want to, like, if you really, like, are trying to chase fame? Should you chase fame within, like, a sphere that matters to you? Or should you really just try to, like reach as many people as you can does that make sense yeah it's actually interesting because i was listening to this one podcast and on the topic of fame the idea so back then mm-hmm. fame was more something you got by doing something that was that helped the world in some way yeah. like you're a scientist you discover something and then you become famous for that yeah so it's a lot more respectable back then whereas now some people's main goal isn't to do a thing and then get famous from it is but just to get the fame itself yeah right and you like have you ever seen those compilations of famous people talking about how being famous sucks or like it's yeah. not what they thought yeah. it would be so in, so have you in the past like had that desire to become famous yeah i mean well the thing is like so i'm like moving to Cal- back to california um i've like met all these people from my job you know and i like want them to be like i want them to remember me because like you want to be remembered you want to feel important it's like what if, like, all these people that I met in high school, all these people I met at this job, like, what if I become famous one day? They're going to be like, I used to know him. Like, so I kind of want to be famous for, like, that reason because people will be like, oh, my God, he's so famous. People care about him. But, like, the more I think about it, like, what I was saying with, like, people in other countries or, like, people from different cultures, like, they don't really care. So, like, should you really even be chasing that if it's, like, it's... It's It sounds like, like you're saying if not everyone... Tell me if I'm right. If not everyone on the earth is going to know about you, then it doesn't what, seem worth it. That's, well, I I think that's partly, like, what it comes off as. But I'm saying, like, you're trying to be famous so, like, people recognize you so you feel important to, like, other people. But, like, should you just try to do that on a smaller scale? And if that is, like, the case, should you even try to chase fame or should you just try to feel oh, important to your, like, family unit? So it like, sounds like you're trying friends? to kind of broad scale people aren't going to know you so then it's like there's even if you're the most famous even if you're the most famous person in the world not everyone's going to care about you and then you dial that back so like if you just if if you like realize that on a smaller scale like does it even really should you even like want to be famous in the first place because as long as you matter to the people that are close to you like not everyone's going to care about you regardless of how famous you are i don't know no i i I think i get it it's it seems kind of it kind of reminds me, like, maybe you'll get famous and you'll have, you'll be the most famous person in the world, but maybe it still won't be enough because not everyone's going to yeah. know you. Not everyone's going to know you. And it's like, well, if it's never going to be enough, then That's, maybe fame's yeah. not even the way to look. Uh-huh. We're chasing, I think my point is, like, we always are chasing this, this, like, constant and endless, like, goal that doesn't exist. We are, and this is one thing, like, I was talking about with my brother when I was driving back from California, um, last year like 
we live in a world of like ideas. Like you, I, I have like an idea about how things are going to be. And I think this is kind of like projecting onto the future, like anxiety and stuff like that. Like I live where I think something is going to be like that. And in reality, it's not like that. So like with fame, like I constantly think living or live thinking fame is going to be like this great thing. And I think that's how so many people are. But then when you actually get to that reality of it, it's so much different. Um, and that's why I think so many times people like get addicted to things. They think like doing something is going to make them feel like fulfilled. They think getting this like one last thing is going to make you feel like at peace for the rest of your life. But you got to realize like reality isn't like that. And you always are going to be like chasing something that isn't there. If you're going to like constantly be doing that, like as, and that's kind of like what presence is all about. Like don't be constantly chasing anything. Just like be content with what is. I really like that point that it could be a cause. Are you saying for addiction, right? Uh The reason you might be addicted to this thing, maybe it's fame, right? Mm Because you keep thinking, oh, just a bit more fame. I'll finally feel good with myself. That's why. And you're never going to get there. This is one thing like I've tried to like discuss with other people and I don't think they fully understand. Like we can be addicted to like anything. Like you could get, I mean, obviously like you need like food. Like you're not, I mean, (laughs) you could get addicted to food, obviously, but like. You could get addicted to not eating food. Exactly. Yeah, and that's why, like, all these issues come up is we get addicted to, like, this idea that doesn't exist. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, so I've constantly thought, like, we're addicted to our phones because, like, we constantly think it's going to, like, I would open my, I deleted Instagram, like, years ago or something, and I would open my phone and I'd go to where Instagram was, like, about to click it, and, like, for some reason, I didn't, I wasn't, it wasn't there, and I was like, there's this whole world that is gone to me. Like, and, like, it was the idea that Instagram was, like, giving me something that it like really shouldn't have been giving me. I don't know. It wasn't providing me with what I thought it was. Dude, I think Instagram, it's kind of what you were saying about expectations versus reality. You have the expectation that you're going to go on Instagram and you're going to get either a message from someone Mm -hmm. who you're really excited Mm -hmm. to talk to, or you're going to see something crazy. And that's kind of, I think that's the more enjoyable part of Instagram than actually looking at Instagram. It's like, thanks suspense of what you're going to see and then yeah. you're looking at this shit and it's like this is so i don't care what this and guy I was, like, I was like i do not give yeah. a fuck about it's weird right and yeah. the thing is with youtube too like if i didn't have youtube like i feel like there's this whole world because we just there's just so much content out there there's like this whole world that's gone when you like get rid of it but when you're like actually using it you're not like waking up to like this new reality like i don't know if that makes sense like I would constantly have this feeling where if I'm not using something, like, I'm like, oh, I'll just go on it and then I'll, like, feel, like, better. Oh, I'll feel... Like, like when I you're shitting, you know? <laughs> like, if I don't have my yes, phone on these yes. in the bathroom, I feel weird. It's weird. It's, it's weird, right? It's, 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 like, it gives you a different reality for a little bit. Like, because you kind of immerse yourself in whatever, like, mm-hmm. you're consuming. Just, I, I don't feel like I'm making any sense. No, right I, I... It's, like... We're going on a bit of tangents, but it's I'm keeping up. I'm making it makes yeah. sense. it's making sense to me. Yeah, no, I and I hope like if people are listening, they're like, oh, I Dude, get what you're saying. I'm thinking about this podcast just like with like the multiverse rant <laughs> and then this. It's gonna be crazy. It's, no, I'm gonna get some cool clips out of this. <laughs> no, literally, I'm, I'm having a good time though. I swear. No, I am. I am too. And I think that's one issue that I've had with podcasts in the past is like just feeling like this is just a shit show. What is going on right now? This doesn't make any sense in like any way, shape or form. Um, but I'm just a tangential person. Person. Um, what were we even talking about right before? The fact that it like opens a world. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I hope that in my head, 
all this stuff makes so much sense. Um, and I just struggle to put it into words because some things I feel like you don't really have the words yeah. to use. And that's another thing. In different languages, did you know, like, you can experience things differently in different, like, if you live in a different culture because their language has a word to describe it? Oh, yeah. Like, I heard there's one culture or some language where they didn't have a word for freedom. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier for the government to take away freedoms because they didn't really have an idea of what if even freedom If you don't have is. the words to describe it, you kind of don't really have a conception of what it is. And that's why I think it's it's so powerful for, like, people to, like, write and do all this stuff where they, like, come up with new concepts. Like, I don't know. That, is, that was another thing. Like, on the way here, I was like, what am I going to talk about today? Um, we just, like, create things out of nothing. Does that make sense? Like, creativity, <laughs> we just make stuff out of nothing. That's like, true. Like, Wait, do you mean ideas or physical things? Because physical things, we <laughs> use things to make them. No, yeah, physical things. I'm not saying in physics, like, we're creating matter. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to break Albert Einstein. Because that would break, that would break some of, uh, <laughs> conservation laws. No, but I'm saying, like, in terms of ideas, <clears throat> that's another thing where I'm like, can we just be physical if we're, like, literally creating like we just mm, make things up Does i that see make sense? i, I kind of see when humans were first here they didn't have water bottles like someone just literally came up with that shit and yeah. now we just have it's it's weird um to think about like where does creativity come from i don't know but i'm just i'm just ranting about no this no, no. I, I i'm actually i'm really enjoying this conversation just because i'm always super i don't know why even when it's like my best friend, I, yeah. I get nervous before each podcast because I'm afraid I'm going to run out of things to say. Yeah. And I, I say this on almost every podcast. I've been having the opposite problem where the guest Too starts much. talking and then there's so many different routes I want to go Too, down. Yes, yeah. Yes. Which I think is a much better problem to have than just like oh, sitting yeah. here like, uh. <laughs> but I actually real quick wanted to go back to the idea of fame. We were talking about, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so this is something I've been struggling with because with, I watch a lot of self-help stuff or podcasts where people mm-hmm. give advice. And a lot of the advice makes logical sense to me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, fame isn't something you should desire super hard because once you actually get it, it doesn't feel the way you thought it would feel. And logically that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But do you think you still need to actually get to maybe like it's fame, right? Do you think you actually have to get to a stat, uh, situation of being famous and see it for yourself? Or do you think you could just take other people's word for it? That is... That's a hard question to answer. Um, but I think it just goes back to the fact that, like, we're all addicted to, like... Even if it's not fame, like, we don't have to see it. Like, I don't have to try met to realize that, like... That <laughs> that's like, a good <laughs> point. That's <laughs> a good point. Um, because, obviously, like, you don't want to get addicted to meth. Um, yeah. So, like, you don't have to, like, constantly try these things to, like, realize they're not what you think they are, but just realizing that, like, our brain's circuitry works in the same way with all of these different issues um, kind of can help you realize that, like, whatever you might be thinking about, like, trying to chase um, might be, like, not worth it in the end. I don't know if that makes sense. Kind of. I I actually did like the idea, the meth analogy, as funny as it is, that that makes sense because there are some things where... I see it and I feel like I don't need to experience it to know. Mm-hmm. If anything, experiencing yeah. it would probably ruin yes. my aversion to it, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. With, especially yeah. with Beth. <laughs> <laughs> especially with Beth. Yeah. But, no, it's an, inter- 
it's an interesting topic. I there was another thing I wanted to talk about. Very a lot less meta than all the shit we've been talking oh, about so far. So <laughs> this could be this could be a nice break in the conversation to re- okay. relax the mind, and then mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get back we'll into some back cool into ass it. shit. Uh-huh. But okay, so you go to USC as do I, mm-hmm. and we just finished. Well, we didn't just finish. Like two three months ago, we finished our first year of college. Correct. So maybe I was gonna. I was hoping you could give a brief rundown of how your experience was first year. And then maybe we could possibly give advice to anyone who might yeah. be about to go to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, Cause that's something we have experience in, you know? So yeah, we can talk <laughs> about it. Yeah. We're qualified to talk about Um, no, my first year was like definitely a lot harder than I thought it was going to be going into it. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with like kind of the fact that I expected it to be something it wasn't. Um, and I had different expectations going in. Um, Going into it with, like, a long-distance relationship um, was very hard for me because that was something that I clinged on to for, like, everything, for my happiness and, and whatnot. And, like, having that person not there, constantly, like, looking forward to the next time I was going to see them, um, I kind of didn't really experience things in the way I wanted to. And I think you can have a long-distance relationship that's successful in college, um, but just in the way that I was, like, kind of... And in my belief about the relationship, like, I I used it for, like, everything that I wanted. Like, everything I wanted in life was this relationship. Like, and I would not, like, go of that idea. Um, so kind of not really being open to new experiences, I struggled a lot with, like, my anxiety. And, like, I had fear that, like, um, she was doing things that would be, like, uh, that, that were unfaithful or whatnot. And it was it was really hard for me to, like kind of calm myself down, especially losing that support system that I had at home um, and not having that constant reassurance, like seeing her um, made it really difficult for me to kind of like feel okay. Um, And like basically the way I was coping was not very healthy either. I mean, I wasn't like, I didn't party really or anything like the first semester. This is when I like really struggled, Um, but I didn't like do anything like super unhealthy, like uh, drug use or like alcohol. But I just kind of didn't let go of, like, the anxiety. And I think that's something, like, that's hard to, like, realize. It's like, how do you let go of anxiety? But, yeah. but um, See what you mean. just realizing that, like, everyone else is in, like, the same situation as you. Um, everyone, like, kind of lost their support system can help you to, like, realize that just like going out and doing things um and experiencing things like even though you realize you're probably going to like do certain things like <clears throat> wrong of like by society standards i'm very vague when i talk sorry no i get i i wanted to ask real quick about yeah the anxiety thing because i don't know if it's anxiety related but i i noticed i had this problem where i would see other people like on my dorm my floor for example like maybe they're going to a party or they're having fun or doing something like that. And maybe it was a night where I wasn't feeling as great or I was just like chilling in my room, not doing anything. And it would kind of make me feel pressured. Like, Oh, I'm supposed to be doing that stuff. I'm wasting my time by not doing that stuff. I was wondering, did you ever feel that? That is exactly like how I felt. Um, a lot of the time going into it too. Like I didn't want to like with the relationship, I was like, I don't want to do anything that's going to make her uncomfortable. And all my friends were going out and partying and I would constantly tell them, I'm not going to go because, like, blah, 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 X, Y, Z. Um, and, like, there is so much peer, 
like influence peer pressure in college to like kind of not even directly like they're not telling me to go do these things but like seeing them go do them and like feeling like left out is like you kind of want to like try to like damn that's a great i never even thought of that like as a form of peer pressure they don't have to deliberately not, tell you to do that's something that's why i said like pure influence it's not really like they're not pressuring you it's um, like the pressure kind of comes from yourself yes yes exactly and that fear that like you're missing out on something um that everyone else is doing and that's something that i think took me a couple months to get over um and then i finally started like deciding i was like oh i'll go out with you guys and i'll see how it is um but you kind of this is going back to like the ideas thing you don't have to like live up to these ideas about like whatever college you think college is supposed to be um because everyone's college experience is like their own and like you don't have to be like this cool college kid that goes to like the frat parties and parties every weekend like make it what you want to make it um and if you like just chilling in your room playing video games there's nothing wrong with that because um honestly like the real reason i think so many people like to go out and party and stuff is because other people are doing it um and not really coming it's not really coming from within oneself um what about so i kind of get that where maybe you don't like to party Mm -hmm. but you feel pressure to party because it's like that's what the college thing seems to be right Mm -hmm. i don't think you should necessarily feel like you should go to a party just because of that but i also see the value in being open-minded and recognizing that there's probably a lot of experiences i haven't tried Mm -hmm. in college that I'm just going to automatically say no to because I just think I'm not going to – kind of like the expectations versus reality. Mm-hmm. Flip the other way. You have expectations you're not going to like something. And then by doing it, you find out, oh, maybe I do like it. So maybe you're going to college not expecting to party. You don't feel like a partier, mm-hmm. which definitely was what I I was. But I forced myself to go to a few, I think. Yeah. And, like, and some of them I enjoyed and some of them are a bit just too like ravey and wild for me. So – but I'm happy that I had the experience of going because now I'm not going to be now I'm not going to be not going with the feeling like, oh, what if I went? Maybe like, you know, that because now I know I feel more solidified that I don't like the more ravey part parties, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. And that's why I think like the thing is with addiction and whatnot, like obviously like with meth, you don't have to try <laughs> like with stuff like this, like that you feel like you're not going to like, you kind of just like ease yourself into it because like a lot of the party scene is like, um, literally like drug use and alcohol as well. So like maybe like yeah. do some of the things that are like medically safer for you and like kind of don't feel the need to necessarily like do things if you don't feel comfortable but kind of push yourself to like experience new things yeah that aren't that aren't like yeah i just want, want to give a i don't know a warning whatever you call when i say like experience things that doesn't necessarily mean like you have to start <laughs> drinking because everyone else is like oh i don't because I, I don't drink right mm-hmm. so but i've never been like oh but what if i you know try it and then i would like it and i'm just not wasting time not trying it but like you know some things you just you can stand your ground and just not some, do yeah, yeah but i think so i think so yeah, maybe there's a shit advice, but it's it's very it's very nuanced advice because you there's some things that aren't like that, you yeah, know. That's what that's what's so <laughs> aren't hard so about clear cut. College life is like you gotta like know your boundaries, but if you don't like know anything about the experiences in the first place, like how are you gonna make boundaries um, with it? And that's why I think yeah. like so many people exper- like to experiment with drugs is because they don't really know what it's like and they kind of want to know. Um, 
and then if they get into like something that's like really addictive or bad for you, like it's hard to get out of yeah, it. Like, I think that's I think that's why we have so many like drug issues in this country. Um, that's why I think society is good in some ways because you do what's societally. I mean, obviously, there's things that are societally accepted that aren't very like good for you, like cigarettes and vaping. Like people do that all the time, or like smoke and vape all the time, but it's not good for you. But like kind of listening to society's advice and not trying things yeah, to like them. Yeah, so like society can sometimes work as a heuristic it, on what yes, not to try can, yeah, without yeah. you having to explore uh-huh. yourself and face the risk. Because I've, I've that's drunk interesting. alcohol and smoked weed and those are like things that most people are like, oh, that's not that bad. Yeah. And I think like the only reason I did it is because society is like, oh, it's not too bad. Um and I, think, I just want to make it clear. I don't think it's bad to do either. I don't think it's I, bad. I think it's. I. I actually think it makes sense a lot of the time. Like if you can control it well, mm-hmm. it's probably a great way to have fun. Yeah, and I, I just personally don't do it. Yeah, I have like my own beliefs about like what people should do or what yeah. they shouldn't do, and I think sometimes people do abuse it. Um, of course. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing like inherently bad about. Oh it. yeah, I don't. I. I think. All right, we're going on tangents, but I think people who view people that do drugs as like a moral issue, I just don't get that. I don't think it's immoral to do drugs. I, don't I think it's more just practical issues of doing I, drugs. I think it could like, yeah, I think it could be like issues with like what emotional regulation you have. Nah, and that's like a good point. System, I see but I don't think like necessarily morally, like I'm not going to, it's like a freedom thing. Like I'm not yeah. going to, like if you want to do it, you do it. I might judge you like doing things in the way you are um and like obviously like i try not to judge people um just because i understand like issues um that people have and like why it makes it more difficult for them to like control themselves but obviously morally i don't think there's anything wrong with it yeah i agree but going back to college right (laughs) all right so we're gonna we're gonna challenge ourselves because i think i'm having this problem too where we're just gonna stay on the college topic for a second because um i think I, I don't know, it kind of excites me because, like, college is the one thing. Or, like, f- fresh, like advice on college is one thing I feel like I could talk about, you know, a little bit. Like, the whole qualifications thing, whatever. But, um, so, first semester, you said you were having a bit. It was, like, you know, like, expectations versus reality, having a long-distance relationship. That all makes sense. Second semester, how would you rate it in Second comparison? Second semester was so much better for me. I think... <clears throat> That was where I, like, really let go of a lot of those, like, expectations that I had. And I, like, after I got out of that relationship, I wasn't clinging to that for my happiness. I was kind of just, like, living and doing things that, like, made me happy for, like, my own reasons. Um, Kind of, like, not being addicted to something. I mean, I kind of was addicted to the gym for a little bit, but that's that's, a much better thing to be addicted to. Yeah, much much better thing, I guess, um, for your health. But just kind of, like... I don't know. I had so much more free time. Um, I wasn't like constantly like worrying about like where my girlfriend was or like when I was going to talk to her because I was like, oh, we always like wanted to talk like every day Um, and just kind of having your own schedule and doing like whatever the fuck you want. That's like (laughs) when I started doing that. And um, it really just opened up like this new like mindset for me and it like made me a lot happier. Um, But I don't, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe. Like you just kind of have to go through the experience. And I think like the first few months being hard for you is kind of like 
how it is for most people. I can't say all people because I know some people don't really struggle with it. But No, I, I definitely had a similar experience, not from like a long-term relationship or anything, but just because, you know, it's it's a big change in your life moving like to another state and then being around different people. I, re- I watched some podcasts and they talked about how uh, you increase your likelihood of getting depressive episodes a lot by changing your social surroundings mm-hmm. very abruptly, whether it's good or bad, right? So you could say like going to college and getting to meet a new ton of new people is a positive thing, but it's also a very drastic switch from knowing a ton of people where you live to not knowing anyone and having to make all new friends. Yeah. So I think it's definitely very common that people would kind of have a rough first few months. But I wanted to ask, because you said the second semester what felt a lot better comparably, and I, I agree, my second semester was much better than my first, what, what were like practical or what, like, what were specific things you think you did that helped? Like you going to the gym, for example, seemed like it probably helped a lot. Yes. Um, what you said was really interesting. I was in an abnormal psychology class last semester and we talked a lot about how social support is one of the main like protective factors against depression, against anxiety disorders. Um, and I think like even in the first semester, one thing that really helped me was like going back to those people that I had back home, calling my parents and like talking about these issues was something that like helped me like a ton. Um, and the first semester, like now that I'm thinking about it more, so we had four people that left our dorm room, right? Oh yeah. We had four people that left cause they wanted to go to like more party dorms and then one other situation where one of the guys just left. Um, so we had four people in our dorm. We had four rooms in our like dorm suite. So we were each in our own room. We didn't really talk. And like during the second semester, even like the first semester I had my parents to talk to and I was talking to my girlfriend like a lot of the time, but I didn't really have anyone else around me. Um, But that second semester, I started becoming so much closer with everyone that was in my dorm suite, building my social circle. That really helped me because then I could talk about things with them. Um, And even just like, like I was saying, you, when you feel important, it makes you feel like a lot better, like physically, mentally. Um, so like when you kind of have friends and just like a group of people you could like go eat with or do whatever with, um, hang out and just talk that like helped me a lot. And then going to the gym, obviously, like, cause I had like issues right after I got out of the relationship with like self esteem, self image. I was, I was struggling a lot to like get that part of me back. Um, and also just like in terms of like the neurochemical, um, issues and biological issues that I might have, like exercise is very helpful with that. Cause it can, um, our, remember Miss Tuttle, she said that it's like the best antidepressant actually yeah. exercise. So, um, I think just getting active and like doing things with my body. Cause during the first semester I didn't do much at all. Um, that probably helped me. So I think the biggest two things I would say exercise, most colleges have gyms go to them um (laughs) but yeah exercise even if it's just to like not do weightlifting just do like light cardio or whatever um and like try to befriend people around you um and i know sometimes it's hard when you don't know anyone um i had expectations about how my dorm mates were because they were all like partiers and i didn't see myself as a partier but just like really get to know people because a lot of the times when you get to know someone um even if you're different usually you'll find something in common. Um, and I am a very like friendly person, empathetic, and I try my best to like understand where people come from. So maybe I have like an easier time, like 
making friends with like anyone, I guess. Um, but I think truly just like trying to find someone or some group that really like understands you can help immensely. Exercise, friends, my two things. Yeah, I wanted to say because your time on maybe it's easier for you. I want one thing. I think one attribute I think you have that makes it really e- or like mm-hmm. makes people feel a lot more comfortable around you is that you're pretty open about mm-hmm. just like anything. Yeah. And like I feel like you get kind of vulnerable pretty fast. Vulnerable as in you like kind of break down walls in terms of what yeah. you talk about, like not just basic shit. Yeah. And I think like I remember when we would because I was kind of nerd. I was obviously nervous when I first got to college. And like we hung out a few days <laughs> at the beginning. It was just nice because like I was like, damn, you know, I know someone here that's mm-hmm. nice. So that could be another piece of advice for making friends specifically. Like obviously yeah. don't spill your heart out the first time you see them. You know, you're like, yeah, my whole family dies. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy thing is, right? This is this is something Antoine, you know Antoine? Yeah. Yes. He made fun of me for it because I would like get in the elevator with someone. I'd be like, "Hi." And then I'd like be like, "Hey, what's your name?" cuz like I just wanted to meet people around the dorm. So I'd like introduce myself, and I'd ask them their major, and they'd ask me mine, and I'd be like, "I'm psychology." And I'm like, they're like, "Why are you doing that?" And I was like, "Well, because I have OCD, I have anxiety issues." <laughs> like I started going into my whole life story. I'm in a long-term relationship. It really ruined my life. Oh, wow. And everything. And like in one elevator ride down like two floors, I would like get into that. And I think. What were the reactions like? They were just like, that's, that's really cool. Like, that's the reason you're doing it and you struggle with it. So you like, I don't know. And like, I didn't make like really great friends doing that with like a lot of the people. Um, Most of the people like I met through our classes or like through mutual friends or the dining hall or whatever. But like. I think that's a really good point, like, why I feel like I am better at making friends, better than some, like, I felt like, I feel like some people think they are, um, just because I do open up, like, really quickly, and, like, when you open up to someone, like, they feel, like, a lot more comfortable to do it, because yeah. I feel like so many people just have surface-level conversations, oh, don't bro. say anything at all, like... Dude, I worked at Dutch Bros, and it's a coffee place, if you don't know. And it's super customer service based. Like, you're talking to them at the win- drive through window, and they really encourage you to just have full-on conversations with them. But since you're only there for, like, one to two minutes tops, they're, like, kind of what you're saying, surface-level uh, questions. And I remember I had a shift. It was Easter, and I was just at the window for seven or eight hours just having these conversations. And it, like, drains me because – you're basically just doing the same shit, you know, you're, hi, hello, how's your day? Oh, it's great, how's your blah, 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 oh, what are your plans for today? Yeah. And I think you bring up a good, I'm basically trying to say, I think you have a good point about the sooner you get to more, you actual know, Actual things that people care about. Yeah. Like, because I work at H&M, and I literally just like, like, hey, how you doing? How's your day going? Same <laughs> Do you thing, go with like, that voice too? Like, <laughs> no, not usually, I mean, sometimes, I mean. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> if the girl's pretty, I mean, hey, that's what you gotta do. I'm kidding, but no, um, I was just like, it's it's just the same thing over and over, and like that's why I like try to find something that like people care about, and that's one thing that Dale Carnegie in that book I was talking about, how to uh, like influence people and win friends or whatever. He talks about like trying to actually like listen to what people have to say and find what like interests them. That's like one great way to like actually make friends. It's like even yeah. if it's not interesting to you, like if if you're making them feel important, um, they'll like come back to you. Yeah, and I've heard some people critique that point, being like it's fake or something or toxic mm-hmm. to pretend something's interesting when you don't. But what I think, and maybe this is just me, I think you could find interest in anything, anything just by kind of being 
well, first off, just try to be curious about it. And maybe there's certain questions that you don't really want to ask because you don't really care about the answer. But there's probably something about a topic where you could ask and you would actually be interested in what the answer is. Yeah. And he talked about that in the book. He's like, a lot of the times people like, might claim that this is manipulative or might claim that it's like inauthentic but like a lot of the times like you can genuinely find interest in anything like i mean unless you're just some like guy that just doesn't have any interest (laughs) i I feel like we're two really open-minded people so maybe we're speaking from like a bias a bias perspective or like we're ignorant to like how other people work but like i don't know i just think you could find interest in anything like sometimes if some people are talking about something i'm like i'm not really interested but if you're just, like, having a one-on-one conversation with someone, um, my point is, like, if it's a group conversation and they're talking about something else, like, but yeah. if you just are truly trying to, like, connect with someone and, like, hear them out, then I think in a one-on-one conversation, you could find things interesting even if they're not to. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping to – one of the skills I hope to gain with this podcast yeah. is when I'm listening to someone talk, like a guest, for example, I subconsciously, consciously try to – as they're talking about something, try to tell like maybe they get excited when they start talking about one thing mm-hmm. and be like, oh, this clearly is something that excites them yeah. and then see like something I could find interesting in it and then ask them a question about it. Yeah. So I think that's, that's a, yeah, that's a great piece of advice in terms of just conversation skills in general. Yeah. 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 I think so too. And I think one thing like people do <coughs> a lot too is like talking can like help you reduce social anxiety. I think so many people with social anxiety are like, what am I going to say next? And like, if you like start just like talking to people and becoming interested in what they're saying, like you stop worrying about that and you become like a better speaker because you're just like listening to what they have to say as opposed to like, oh, what am I going to do next? Like, where, where is this conversation going after this? I don't know. Um, I just think listening is like a huge part about conversations that people miss. Like yeah. a lot of the times people are only worried about what they have to say. Yeah, it's like the whole putting your focus outwards rather than inwards. Mm-hmm. Cause then what's the point of even having a conversation if you're just focusing on what you're going to say next? Mm-hmm. Cause like the main point of a conversation is to like get info from the other person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of like social anxiety, I was curious cause one of the things that I get nervous about a lot is yeah. just awkwardness. Right. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> the, I think the fear, I don't know for me, the fear of not having anything to say comes from, just not liking the awkward silence and being in that position. And I've been trying to battle in my head, like what's the best way to get around that? But like a, besides just, I don't know, getting better at conversation skills. And I think part of it is just exposing yourself to a shit ton of awkward silence yeah. until your body just, or your mind just comes a little more relaxed to it. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's a huge point. Like I, since I'm in like psychology and I know a lot about like clinical psychology and stuff, anxiety, like a huge way to get over it is just exposure therapy. So if you're constantly like the way that they would treat social anxiety, um, we talked about this in my class, is like go out and just do some like dumb shit and just like say like just mess up when you're speaking or something. Yeah. Like be like, at, like if you're at your job or something, you just like completely mess up and say words wrong and then just like be like, uh, uh, and like it helps you to like realize that even if you do that, like nothing is going to happen. Like they don't really, yeah. they're, they're probably going to forget about it in like five, 10 minutes. Dude, I hate it. Cause I know if I did that stuff, like practice that, mm-hmm. like I feel super confident that you're right. Like it, it would, would go away, but it's just so hard to get yourself that's, to do it. That's, that, that's the one thing about exposure therapy. Apparently it's like the most effective form of therapy that they, we have for like most mental health problems, like for depression, like there's certain things that you could do to help, but 
like exposure therapy is more effective at helping anxiety issues than any like other form of treatment is for any like I don't know if I could say any but like most mental health problems um but that one issue is just starting because yeah. no one wants to start like if you're like I have this huge fear of snakes. You're not going to be like, oh, I want to go in this pit of snakes real quick and get over <laughs> it. Like, that's not my first instinct. I don't think that's anyone's. Um, but, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a hard thing. And I think that's where talking to people, like, it's going to happen. Like, if you just start talking to more people, it's going to happen. Um, but the more you talk to people, the more you're, like, preparing yourself for it and, like, other conversations. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, no, it makes complete sense. It's... It's funny because I actually tried doing this thing last semester mm-hmm. where I, I get kind of approach anxiety, like approaching strangers and starting a conversation. Because in my mind, I, I have like, it's like, oh, like, I, I feel like I got to have something important to say mm-hmm. if I'm going to, pro- you know, it's like irrational beliefs. But anyway, to try to do like a bit of exposure therapy, I try to do every day between classes. I would put my phone in my backpack so I couldn't look at it. So then I need to know what time it is. So I'd go up to 10 people and ask them the time. It's a very simple thing. You know, there's yeah. very low stakes, you know, unless you fuck up saying, what is the time? Like you <laughs> can't really, you go all Shakespearean on the, but I've noticed I only did it for like three days. Cause I was like, uh, this is a lot of, this is taking a lot of time, but I kind of want to try it again next semester where you slowly just increase the amount of things you do. So maybe a week, Every every day, ten people you ask the time, yeah. and then the next day you ask maybe directions somewhere because yeah. you know it's more of a conversation. And then maybe it's a random question, yeah. and I think I think that could help with type of ex, the exposure therapy type stuff because yeah. not jumping into the deep end, but maybe slowly making yeah. your way up there can make that's, it easier. That's part of it. Like normally they form a hierarchy, like what you're willing to do at first. Because not like if someone's like really scared of snakes, they're not going to be like oh, put the snake around my shoulders first. Like, they're going to probably be like, you'll be in a room with a snake. It'll be like 10 feet away behind glass or something. Like, that'll be the first thing you do. And you slowly, like, increase your, um, like, the, the ex- intensity of your exposure until you could, like, finally get to the point where it's like, oh, I'll do the, like, scariest thing I could think of. Um, so that's, like, a good way to approach it, too. Like, if you're going to just do something, like, small, and then, like, eventually you go up to someone and you're like, what are you doing later or something? And everyone everyone thinks that's probably an awkward question. Like, but if you like get to that point where you feel comfortable enough to do it, then you could like get over your fear of just talking to anyone um, for any reason, to be honest. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think thinking now, actually, I think the way I'm doing this podcast is in some sense, a bit of exposure therapy for me because I get nervous. I was like nervous to have like long form conversations. Right. And one of my main goals is to get professors on in like fields that I'm interested in. Yeah. But I've been started. I started with like podcasts just by myself. So no guests. I, I'm not uploading those. But, but I started just to get used to it. And then I started. I'm starting with like close friends. Like y'all, the people that I've had on so mm-hmm. far. And then I actually wrote a whole plan. Like then I'm going to start with more acquaintances I have at USC. So they're not super close. But like I know them. So. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking like graduate students at USC doing interesting yeah, things. And then professors okay. at USC. And yeah, then. Yeah. So damn that. I feel like. Doing exposure therapy subconsciously, bro. <laughs> no, you didn't even know you were doing yeah. it, but now, yeah. No, I mean, that's exactly how it works. You kind of just got to, like, that's what I think a big thing about life is you kind of just got to ease yourself into, like, a lot of things. Um, but you've got to, like, actually do it. Because I think yeah. sometimes people hear that and then they, like, never really, like, do it. Um, do you feel like you're good at doing things that you want to do? Like, having a motivation and then actually 
and acting on it? So that's that's a tough question. I I think I'm good to an extent. I mean, I don't have like it's it's hard. It's it's hard for anyone. Um, yeah. Especially stuff that you have anxiety tied to. But um, I try my best to like I guess put myself out there and like. A lot of the times now, instead of being like more scared to do things, I like do something that makes it so like I have to like if you're scared to like text someone something, you just send the first text and then you're like, I can't go back now. I got to like, dude, that's perfect. Oh, so like if, if you say if you're like trying to like ask someone out, like you send like one text and be like, uh, like, do you want to go out? And then you're like in it. You can't like get out of it. So if you kind of like put yourself in that position, I feel like I've been trying to do that a lot more. Um, then it makes it a lot easier to like stick to it. It sounds like, like you have an intrinsic motivation to do something, mm-hmm. but you're nervous to do it, or some there's some reason you're not doing it, and then you add an extrinsic motivation by yeah. sending the first text. It's like okay, well now, now it's awkward if I don't send yeah, the rest of the messages. Now you have to like you kind of have to jump in. I think like <clears throat> another thing, like because that was a that was kind of a broad question, like motivation and stuff like that, like. I think one thing that people struggle with is, like, they don't get to the point where they, like, if you want to go to the gym or you want to, like, start a, like, small business or you want to do whatnot, you need to, like, start forming habits. Um, and I don't think, like, a lot of people do that. And that's why I'm, like, you can make a habit out of, like, kind of being spontaneous um, and doing these things that, like, you think are, like, scary. But then also you need to, like, form a habit to, like, start, like, the thing that's crazy to me, I was thinking about this. I'm going to read, like, I'm trying to read a book about habits right now, The Atomic Habits. I don't know if you've heard of it. I have, I have. Um, it's a good book. You've read it? I have, yes. Yeah, I, I like, started because I got it from my brother a while back, and then he didn't finish it. So I was like, do you guys still have it? He's like, yeah. Um, that's beside from the point. You can, like, one thing that I think is, like, crazy, because I was like, everything can be a form of addiction. I think, like, 95% of our actions can be either addictions or habits. Interesting. Because, like, I wait, explain. So, like, going on your phone and like scrolling through like Instagram or scrolling through TikTok, like that's kind of like something that I would say like you're addicted to doing. Um, if you like have a routine where you like go and brush your teeth, that's a habit. If you have like a routine where you go and do like go to the gym for like an hour and a half a day, that's like a habit. Like, so most of the things you're doing are either like subconscious because they're habits, or they're subconscious because you're like low key addicted to doing them. Like, I don't know. Honestly, I I think they're kind of two sides of the same coin where an addiction, the thing that makes it an addiction is that it's something you don't want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like you're doing... An addiction you, is like a bad habit. Is, what, is that what you're saying, kind of? Kind of, but more so like the routine, right? After you do a routine for a while, it just becomes second nature. Like you kind of do it automatically. But the reason like you don't get critiqued because you have a morning routine is because a morning routine is probably something you want to be doing Mm -hmm. anyway whereas scrolling through a phone it's also a habit you formed it happens automatically yeah but it's something you would rather stop probably Uh so you You know could categorize it like as an addiction as opposed to like a habit i don't know if that's a great distinction but that's just kind of how i thought of it in the moment i guess it is an addiction and a habit kind of if you can if you conceptualize it like that like if you're i don't know I don't know if you this addiction everything could be an addiction thing is resonating with you as much as it resonated with me when I first thought of it, but I just think it's crazy because I think there's so much we do. Oh no, so, I I think I I agree. I think every anything can become an addiction, even good things. Mm-hmm. I think, huh? Yeah, I get. I guess kind of just going back to what I said. I think I 
uh, what makes it an addiction is that it's something like you're doing it to the point where it's detrimental to your life. Yeah. And I think like that's where I'm kind of clashing with like the normally accepted definition of addiction because like that's usually like the way we like conceptualize it. But I was thinking like addiction, like obviously like it has a negative connotation, but I think like in terms of what an addiction like really means and the fact that it's like you're doing it because of like this feedback loop where it's like, oh, you're getting positive. And then like eventually it becomes like a need to fulfill and then you do it again because it gives you that positive feeling. I think like that cycle is kind of like what I'm describing as addiction as opposed to like what we medically and clinically like use addiction for to describe. But I don't don't know if that makes sense. I think I kind of, it sounds like more, you're using addiction as like the mechanism of something rather than the positive or negative aspect of it. Yeah. Like addiction is kind of like, the neural mechanism in which oh, we okay, like I see, I see. kind of come to do certain things. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if that's a good way to describe it. I'm probably using addiction in a way like that would confuse a lot of people, but in my head, that's the way I've been thinking about it. Just like the way I've been like, what books I've been reading lately have kind of used it in that context. I see what you mean. But. Interesting. Okay. So Uh, Another thing I think we could talk about in terms of college advice is academics Mm -hmm. because I feel like you are pretty intellectual. You're pretty – you seem like you're good when it comes to academics part of school. I was curious, how do you – did you feel – did you enjoy the academic aspect of your first year of college and maybe any advice you could give to anyone? Academics is the big part of college. Like everyone's like, oh, I'm going to go study, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's very similar to like high school academics in my opinion. I feel like the big part about college for me um, personally like was growing in that like I don't have the same support system. And like it's all, everything outside of academics was I think where I grew more in my past semester um, or my past year in college. Um, academics, it was it was very similar to like high school for me. And I don't think like, this is one thing I've said. I don't think like the institution you go to like necessarily implicates what kind of education you're getting. I think it like implicates opportunities for um, research or opportunities for jobs in the future because the name on the degree um, is obviously like more prestigious based on the university. But I think like in terms of academics, like it's, it didn't feel that much different from high school to me. And maybe that's because I was in AP classes, um, but like it wasn't hard. I didn't feel like. Does that make sense? No, I get it. I, I think. Probably the AP classes does help because I guess yeah. they are yeah, yeah. more college-level classes. So you're saying your first two semesters of college, the academic aspect of it didn't really feel super different from high school, but it was more all the other aspects that yeah. you felt like you actually leveled up or grew College, up. yeah. The, the real thing that I think college has taught me is like how to live on my own, how to deal with things on my own, regulate emotions better, and like do all this like independently as like – opposed from doing it like with your family like constantly around you like how most people exist in high school and I don't think like the academics were really like the part that helped me grow I think just like the environment and I think that's why moving out for college has been so impactful for me not because the university I'm going to although it's like a very accredited university is like very prestigious but I think more so just the fact that I'm diverged from like that social support system I already have in terms of academics I like did pretty well. Um, obviously, it's like added stress. The more difficult classes you add, the more tough it's going to be to like manage your time and whatnot, and the more like 
difficulties you're going to have, like, keeping your grade up, but it wasn't too difficult for me, and maybe that's because I'm, like, really good at, <laughs> at school, um, and I don't struggle a lot with, like, even, like, pretty difficult topics, but um, I just, I don't know. Like, in terms of academics, I don't have much to say because it was just the same thing as high school was to me. I think what you're saying kind of brings up a good point where a lot of people view college as just a chance to get your education, which is a big part, right? You know, you do learn a lot more than you'll learn in high school, depending on what major you take. But it sounds like what you're saying is there's a lot of aspects of college that help you grow, not just academically, but, you know, you like, yeah, basically what you're saying, personally, socially, being able to live on your own, stuff like that. And maybe people don't initially think that, think of that as a benefit of going to college, right? They just think like, they'll be like, a lot of people argue, maybe you don't need to go to college because you can learn a lot of the shit online, right? And that makes sense, especially maybe if you don't have the finances to go to college, things like that. But I think they're missing a key point is in how much college helps you grow in other ways, Mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah, and then there's this guy, I don't know if you've heard of him, his name's Gerbert Johnson. He's he's a a YouTuber. He's he's kind of a goofball. He makes, (laughs) like, really, like, funny. With a name like Gerbert. (laughs) Got it. He makes, like, really funny, like, kind of, like, weirdly philosophical but like also very like comical and like meme videos um but like he was talking about like one of the reasons he went to college was just because like that's what everyone else is doing and I think after I graduated high school I was like where's the community I had with like school you're in elementary school middle school high school for like 18 years of your life and then that all gets like wiped away and then you're literally like living in your house with your parents but you don't have like that thing unless you have a job, you don't have that thing that like that community that kind of brings you together. And I think that's what college, like he was saying did for him is like kind of gave him that sense of community when everyone is like very isolated nowadays with people like basically using the internet for like their main form of communication. Um, so like in, when you go to college, like it gives you that opportunity to like see a very diverse set of perspectives um, as opposed to just being a place. And it, I think one thing about the, the academics in college as opposed to, like, learning everything online, as you are saying, is, like, it forces you to, because if you're planning to go to college... such a good point. It forces you to do that research. It forces you to do the homework and whatever assignments. So, like, it'll motivate you to do it because you don't want to, like, waste the money you're spending. Um, But in terms of, like, academics, as opposed to, like, high school, it's not that different, in my opinion. I think the main places I've grown in college have not been in the classroom, but outside. Interesting. I, I kind of agree with the whole... Uh, academics in college being similar to high school. I will say my second semester, though, I have a slightly different perspective where I think I grew a lot academically in the sense that a lot of my... First off, my classes were very hard my second semester, at least to me, like especially my physics class, you you know. And um, I think what it helped taught me was... Because college, you only have the class maybe uh, two to three times a week rather than every day. So I realized how much more self-study I have to do because a lot of times yeah. the professor isn't going to explain everything super in-depth to the level that you need. Mm-hmm. So I think I grew in a lot that I was able to learn how to learn on my own a bit. Mm-hmm. Like I developed a lot better studying strategies. I remember my first Calc 3 yeah. midterm I, I did trash on. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Because I, I thought I knew this stuff pretty well. Like I did, I think I did the practice exam. Yeah. But I see, I didn't look at the answers afterwards. I would j- basically just do the practice exam 
and just gauge like if I felt good while doing it that okay I must know this stuff and then I I obviously didn't so that was one thing I learned to check the answers after to see if I got them right and then just doing practice problems I didn't do that a lot in high school to study right I would just do the homework but now I had to like actually go find problems that would help me and do them on my own so I think in that aspect uh basically I just want to say one thing that might be different about college academics is that it could be a lot more self-studying depending on what classes you take. And I think that's very useful in helping you become more independent because you don't need, like learning how to learn on your own feels really freeing because then yeah. you don't always feel like you need a teacher. Yeah. And I just want to say, I, I feel like I do really well in school. Um, and normally I do. So I'm in psychology, which is not that hard of a major. I'm not going to lie. You got like, stats? Next semester, though. <laughs> I'm sure. That you don't think so? Um, no, I've never taken a stats class. I haven't either. Um, You'll have to tell me how it is. Yeah, I will. I, I'll definitely, because I'm taking two stats classes. I think that's crazy. I know. It's two stats classes and then some journalism stuff. But no, like, when I was in Calc 2, my second midterm, I got, like, a 58. Really? my final, I got, like, a 54. Oh, damn. But the reason, part of the reason why I think I did so bad, like, I didn't really care about that class. Um, did you know you were going to switch at that at point? At that point, I knew I was going to switch gotcha. majors. It was no longer a major requirement, so it was saying it pass-fail. I was like, as long as I get a C You'll be and good. I pass, then I'm good. Hey. Um, and it was, like, right after I'd broken up with, or I, like, got out of that relationship. So I was, like, obviously, like, not in a very, like, good state of mind, so I wasn't really trying that much in school. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm talking from perspective where it's like the classes I'm taking aren't that hard. So that's why I was like, let me clarify. Like I, I'm good at psychology classes. Um, I don't know how I would do it. Like in engineering, I wasn't doing terrible, but it's like things are going to be a lot harder in college. I'm not going to lie. Like a lot of the classes are a lot more difficult. Yeah. It's not too much different. And even if the classes aren't more difficult than high school, just all kind of what you mentioned earlier about all the added stresses of living Mm -hmm. on your own kind of pile on and make them more difficult. Yeah, no, regardless of, like, whether or not the content is harder, when you're doing all this other stuff, um, it makes it more difficult to, like, focus on just school. Um, Or in high school, like, you have nothing else to do. I mean, I... You had a lot more taken care of for you. Yeah. In terms of living situations. No, that's, that's what I meant. All right, so with all this college talk, you, we're about to go back to college. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? Do you have a game plan for the semester? Are you feeling excited, nervous, all um, these emotions? It's, it's mixed feelings because I, I really like it here um, back home. You know, I mean, it's very much so like I know this place. I go back in my hand. I know yeah. all the streets. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go feel like way. a big dog, you know? Yeah, I know. I feel like I'm like, this is my hometown. Um, and like recently starting work i really do like all my coworkers, and i like the environment it's like been super fun this this summer actually um which i did not necessarily expect when i was getting a job um so i'm kind of sad i gotta leave them but i'm definitely excited because even though like last semester i was like um i don't know how to feel about going to college i'm really excited to see how this new living situation i'm with a bunch of different new roommates and like the new classes i'm in are gonna like open up opportunities for me to grow um and i think there's like a lot of new experiences to be had for this upcoming year. Um, so I'm excited, but also living on my own this year, having to make food, I'm like, oh, oh how, yeah. how is this going to go? Um, we'll see I realized I was in the kitchen today making something, and I realized, oh, shit, I got to buy like a pot and a pan because now I'm going to be making <laughs> yeah. food instead of the dining halls. 
Yeah. I was like, what type of pot and pan do I get? <laughs> do you even have like any meal plan or no? I have the apartment meal plan. So okay. I think it's like 40 swipes a semester. Okay. So you're going to have to make like a lot of food. Is what yeah. Saying. But I, I've, luckily this summer I've been preparing. I got like a system down of cheap groceries I could get and then meals I can make pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, I had a question, kind of what you were saying about how you really like it here. What I've noticed being here now is now that I've lived in two places for a decent period of time, uh-huh. no matter where I'm going to be for the rest of my life, there's always going to be like some people I'm missing because yeah. I've been missing yeah. people this summer back in college. Yeah. But I know for sure last semester I was missing my friends here. Yeah. So you're always going to be missing someone now. That's, that's what my parents have always told me. They're like, you have your high school friends, you have your college friends, you have your work friends. It's like you kind of move through different stages of your life and then like you kind of what, what someone told me last semester is actually like when you go home from college during the summer and then you come back, it's like you're living two separate lives. That's what you, it feels like. You have you have your home life where all your like high school friends are and then you have your college life and they're just like two separate worlds that like don't really intermingle. It's kind of weird to like think about like, I don't know, having to like not be with certain people like when you're in that other environment. It makes me so excited in the future to have a wedding. It just oh, have yeah. it's like Everyone. it's like the what is it, Ed Gabe or all the different <laughs> people interact yeah, and see how that's how it feels, bro. Yeah. But I totally agree. The whole two different lives thing. Mm-hmm. What I found really weird mm-hmm. was first semester I was there for like two months, three months, and then I visited home for like a few days. And I thought it was gonna feel super different when I got back, mm-hmm. but it literally like right away it just felt like i was back yeah it felt like yeah. i've been there the whole time like yeah. i never left it was weird it was weird coming back from like this last break i was like oh this is gonna be weird i don't know if i'm gonna like mesh with like everyone back home and it's like you just kind of pick back up yeah it's like nothing was it was different it's but, crazy um it's weird to think about like everyone like all the people that went to different schools like they've had completely different experiences but you could still come back and like hang out with them and it'll be like kind of like old times it'll be a little different but it's like you kind of just pick back up where you left off. Yeah. And that's how I feel like, you know, you got good friends. If you could be apart for so long and come back and it just feels like normal. Again. Yeah. All right. So we're back from the bathroom. We both went separately, of course. <laughs> uh, very not needed. Like, not like there's any issues going together. Yeah, yeah. If you want to go together, like be my guest, <laughs> of course. Judge, we won't judge. We just didn't do that ourselves. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Um, I had another question. Yeah. Kind of unrelated from what we were talking about so you're majoring right now in psychology right and you have a minor in music something so uh i'm majoring in (coughs) psychology and i actually am taking a songwriting class this upcoming semester but i'm not minoring in it um my plan initially was to major in psychology graduate in three years and then go immediately on to like trying to work on like a clinical psychology doctorate um, become a therapist but i am like I don't know if that's exactly what I want to do. So now I'm going to be majoring in psychology. I'm taking two journalism classes next semester, actually a class on podcasting and then more of like intro journalism. Yeah, I actually had a quick question about the podcast class. Uh So are you like thinking about starting a podcast in the future? Is that why you're taking it? I mean, I, since since we had that like experience taking that or making that podcast in the past, like I kind of, I don't necessarily know if I have any ideas right now. Um, but I always like, think podcasts are like something that is something that would suit me um just because i really like hearing about other people's stories and i like talking a lot so i mean put the two together and then get a <laughs> podcast. i was um, curious if because <clears throat> funny enough we <clears throat> we were originally trying to do the same major right physics and philosophy yeah and i'm curious if that stems from uh 
basically being interested in a lot of things. Because yeah. one of the reasons I'm starting this podcast is because I'm interested in a lot of different things. But I know I can't become an expert in everything. So I think a podcast would be a way for me to talk to experts about things I'm yeah. interested in while being able to focus on one thing to become an expert in myself. Yeah. I was curious, like, is that also that, part of the motivation? Um, yeah. No, I've always been interested in, like, so many things. I always want to... I'm like one of those people, I want to be like an expert in everything. I'm like, I want to yeah. be a plumber, but then on, on my day off, I'm going to be a firefighter and then I'm going to work <laughs> as a doctor on a day after. Um, but no, I like always have wanted to like try to learn as much as I can and like be as smart as I can in like every single field. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I chose that major in the first place. Um, and then podcast, I don't even know what I wanted, what I'd want to do with the podcast. But part of the reason is because I'm thinking about adding a journalism major but initially, I was thinking of just doing a podcasting minor because they have a podcasting mm-hmm. minor in the school. I think it would give a good perspective, um, especially because there would be like audio classes I'd have to take, and I do produce music as well. So it's like that might be something that would help me out. But um, I'm not exactly sure if I'd want to start a podcast. But definitely, I would say I resonated with the fact that like I'm interested in a lot of things. That's exactly why I picked that major in the first place, and that's exactly why I'm trying to double major now. I think it's also smart. I feel like you're taking advantage of college in the sense, especially USC, because mm-hmm. you are you just have an interest in podcasts at least, and there's a podcast class, so you're like, why don't I take it? Yeah. I think that's very smart. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying my best to like, make sure I still have everything set up for like in line to graduate in four years exactly, um, but I don't know. like I should have the room to do it, um, but I'm trying my best to like use any extra credits or units I have take those classes that I'm interested in that's why I'm taking the songwriting class because um, we get up to 18 units all my other classes are four so that songwriting class will push me to like 18 um, and then I basically kind not of like, yeah I'm not like sacrificing any like extra time because I'm just doing it like within what I'm given by the university yeah. um, so I think like trying your best to like utilize all the resources I'm I'm trying I, I think I'm going to be overloaded next semester of stuff to do um, working and then classes and then I'm trying to I'm a part of one club and then I'm starting another club you're starting another club well so me and my friend have this idea to do like we we both like our music producers so we're like what helps people to get to the point where their music is heard on the radio is heard like on tiktok becomes big and they blow up for whatever reason um so we're trying to start a club on independent music marketing um wow but it's like a lot of logistical things with starting a club so we have to like go through that whole process it's me and just like one other friend from down there um and it's been it's been a journey uh, <laughs> we've been like having meetings all summer i have a meeting with him tomorrow actually and we will see um if that <coughs> gets materialized dude that's exciting i have yeah. no idea what uh what type of stuff would the club be doing so independent music marketing yeah so he has a background where he's worked with this guy who does like a lot of competition so there was this competition that he was trying to do at USC last semester. Um, and this friend of mine, his name is Arnold, he's in engineering. So he was trying to do like an engineering competition, basically try to get like people to produce a bunch of like ideas and then pitch them to judges. And then like whoever wins would get like $1,000, which they would get from like sponsors or whatever for the competition. Um, so he comes from a background like that. So he's has an idea to do like a music competition. And then we could do like prizes for the music competition and like that's like one, he, he thinks that would be as like provide evidence that what we have been doing like can help someone get publicity as a musician, like an independent musician. 
Um, so that's like where he wanted to go. I think I'm in another club right now. It's just like weekly meetings um, discussing like mental health subjects and topics. So what I was thinking is like we could do like a weekly meeting and do it on like some music uh, marketing topic for like independent music musicians. Like one week we could talk about like how to budget your campaign and then the next week we could talk about like creating a persona <coughs> or like breeding authenticity within like your own like brand and like basically just having like weekly meetings where we kind of have this presentation but then get input from other people as to like what they think maybe we'd have like a weekly meeting where it's like musician spotlight and we'd go into like depth about like one of like the people in our club and like all we could all discuss like what we think they could do in terms of like marketing or whatnot and uh i think it's like really fusing that interest i have in like business because i'm not like obviously majoring in business but i think it's like something that's like very like cool and like business and advertising is very much like grounded in psychology um and then also that music so it's like i'm not fulfilling that through my academic classes as much because i don't have the space to um but if i can like use my extracurricular um my extracurricular time to like make a club focused on music and like business marketing i think that's like a great opportunity um through the university and the people that are there and that are very talented um kind of expand what I'm getting. That sounds like an amazing idea. Yeah. I always hear that <clears throat> one of the best things to do in college is to start a club because mm-hmm. not only do you get experience like leading a team and shit like that, but you can also kind of leave a legacy if the club still sticks around afterwards. Yeah. But uh, with music, is music something that you would be interested in the future, like pursuing? I would, but it's difficult. I don't have like a ton of motivation to like make music in the recent past because it's a lot of work like technical knowledge <coughs> understanding like oh, I see I can't like I've had issues recording um, music a lot of the times because um, my microphone the way it like links up to my computer it's like all weird sounding so I'm like, I'm like I'm just making beats at this point I remember you showed me we were like outside that one unit physics class we took you were showing me yeah, like yeah, finding yeah. these yeah. demons or something yeah, I, I thought was, it was pretty nice I was, was catchy a, yeah that song I made a couple of years ago at this point actually um, wow but no, I like, I think it's something that's really cool. I also just don't know if I'd find fulfillment in it and it's very hard to like survive in music. And what I would want to do is like probably be like the artist. Like I wouldn't want to like work in the background, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but also that's like, is that something I really want to do? It's not really a sustainable career. Like only the top, like, I don't even know, but like only like the really top, top artists are the ones that can like survive and make a living off of it. So it's like, I want to like continue making music, but it's very hard to like feel motivated when it's like something only very few people can like be successful at. Yeah, that's. I feel like though, you could do it on the side with this yeah. whole psychology thing, and then learning about psychology gives you so much content for songs you can make. Bro. Yeah. But is. uh, real quick about the whole motivation thing, like only a few people can make money, stuff like that, mm-hmm. or live off it. That was one of the things that kind of made me nervous about the podcast. Is just like there's like over a million podcasts now, right? <clears throat> so well, so luckily, like money isn't my main motivation or anything. I don't expect this to make money mm-hmm. at least for like years if I even do it for that long. It's more interest. But one thing that kind of helped me get more motivated was this idea because um, because the internet's so democratized and so many people have access to it. There's so many people that can make content, right? And I feel like you don't necessarily have to be the best or you have to be like one of the top podcasters or in your case, like 
singers and musicians, right? But you just need to be unique enough where a local or a community, a small, at least a small community of people will choose you over someone else because they like like your uniqueness over everyone else. And if you could just make that community large enough to sustain you, it doesn't have to be like the, you don't have to be like Shawn Mendes and have a huge following. But if you just have a big enough following to sustain you, and I feel like that's a lot more possible these days than in the past, if that makes sense. No, I think it is too. Um, Just the fact that like, more people have access to the internet makes like the audience larger but like the market like you said is so oversaturated that's true there's just so many people that are like making music so many people that are recording podcasts now that it's like what is it like is what i'm doing enough to like draw people away from these other artists i see yeah um that's a good so it's like that's why i think a big part about that music marketing is like creating a brand um i think that's a huge part about like any like sort of marketing venture you have it's like you got to create a brand for yourself and like get people to remember you by something um and i think that's like a big motivation for why i want to create the club um just because i don't know i don't really have experience in doing that um and people know me for how i am but it's like i don't market myself to like people that i don't know by doing that like i see like we always have like this is it called a psyche I don't know what it's called. Like a what's the word? Where it's like you have a conception of like something. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. But basically, like you have like, like when I think of strat, I'm like, oh, that's strat. Like I have like a conception. It's a word in psychology. I forget what it's called. Um, but like I have that for like everyone. But it's like I don't use that conception that people have of me to market myself. And I think that's like one thing you need to do if you want to be successful in any like market. Do you ever wonder what? People people's think. conception of you is yeah. all like, the time like when time. your name pops in their head what it's like what is the what's the box they put you in yeah exactly no i think about that all the time i hate it because you'll like never really know i feel you never really know because i mean even if they tell you like you don't know you, you don't know, know for sure they, they could be lying they yeah. could just be saying whatever they whatever they think will make you happy it's like that's the thing about humans a lot of times like we're so bad at detecting lies because like you can never really know things for sure especially about like human behavior and stuff like that um it's like it's weird it's definitely weird but no i I wonder that all the time (laughs) real quick going back to your schedule next so you have psychology classes you have the podcast class you have journalism classes you have this club for music you're trying to do music on the side maybe Mm -hmm. so do you ever get like it's a lot of stuff right do you ever get nervous that because you're not focusing on one thing enough uh-huh. that you're not going to become like good enough at something. Yeah. Yeah, Cause yeah. that's something I, I struggle with a lot all the time. And I think like I try my best to excel at everything I do. Um, but the more you like decide to do like the more you're taking away from that one thing. And I think that's a problem, like a really big problem in our job market is that they expect you to get a job. Like a lot of the times, like, even if you're working in like with different companies, like you're a computer scientist and you're working with like Microsoft and then you transfer and you're working with like Google or whatever, like you're doing like the same thing over and over. But I think so many people, like maybe it's just me, maybe it's just me. I know you're kind of like this too though. So many people have like different interests where it's like you don't want to do that for like, I feel like I wouldn't be satisfied doing something for my whole life or like basically becoming a psychologist. And like, obviously I want to be an expert in that field, 
and like if you want to be an expert you kind of have to like compete with them so you have to like put in the amount of time they're putting in but like i don't know if i'd want to like dedicate my life to one thing does that make sense no it makes complete sense i have pretty much the same problem Uh and i've been trying to figure out ways to not cope but i don't want to say fix but just help with the problem right and my ideas have been first off i try to look at it like instead of being an expert solely in physics or solely in nanotechnology, which is like a field I want to go into. Maybe I have two different fields that I kind of work at the intersection at. So at least there's like two things I can, two different fields I could work in that kind of help satiate the interest. But another thing I've been trying to do is I think there's freedom in not doing things in the sense that if I pick like three or four things maybe, right? Mm-hmm. That I want to just be good at, right? Yeah. Maybe in order, like I make order, or like maybe this is the thing I want to be an expert at yeah. and this is the thing I want to be good at but maybe not an expert at and I kind of order them in that sense and then I just forget about everything else, right? It kind of gives me freedom in the sense that now I could start focusing on these things and getting mm-hmm. good in them but by having like three or four of them, I can kind of cycle through them so when I get bored of one thing, I can go to the other <laughs> And then instead of just keep going to different things, I could cycle back to the thing I got bored of initially. initially so yeah. I'm still making progress in certain areas. Yeah. That's going to be my, that's like my strategy for this semester that's, and year. No, that's smart. That's smart. It's just like, I don't really want to pigeonhole myself into one thing. And that's where it's like really hard when we kind of, our society functions in that way. And if you want to like get a success, if you want to have a successful career, you kind of have to do that. Um, in, in my essay for why I wanted to go to USC actually I was like introducing it with this quote that I asked this guy at this leadership conference and I was like how do you find your one true passion and because I applied for philosophy and physics that major the the whole point of my essay was like oh if I go to USC I don't have to like find that one true passion I could pursue both because um it's it's a major that incorporates both fields and they're kind of diverse fields um but like the fact that I switched, I switched from that to engineering, you know, I switched to psychology and now I'm trying to add journalism and like music. It's like, I don't know if I'll ever be like satisfied with like doing one thing. And I think that's like a part of our society that's like really, there's like a big issue. It's because I think a lot of the yeah. times too, um, you have to get like, we have to be qualified to get a job. You have to like get a degree in something. Like if you want to get a degree or if you want to work as like a certified public account, I'm using this as an example because my parents like you should get an accounting degree um but if you like obviously it's gonna like help you in the work field but i feel like a lot of the times it's just like a thing that is like a title and it like you if you work at that job you could figure out how to do it if you like just worked there like you don't necessarily need the college degree the four years of education and the money that it costs to like work a lot of these jobs and i think the fact that like we are making people like go to college to get jobs is like part of the issue with like making people do one thing for the rest of their life. I kind of see what you mean. I had a, tell me if this is similar. Cause one of the reasons I chose physics and philosophy initially mm-hmm. was cause I was thinking, cause I was, I, I was originally mechanical engineering, but then I wanted to learn the theory more. And I thought, and I could be wrong about this. This is just my assumptions that, Whatever engineering job I would have got out of college, I would have had to learn a ton of new stuff anyway because it'd be specific to that job, mm-hmm. and I probably wouldn't have learned it in college. And I'm sure an engineering background would give me like a better set of knowledge for that job, 
But I thought I chose physics and philosophy instead because I think it would teach me more problem-solving skills and just skills for learning in general. Mm -hmm. So then when I get to the job, it'd be easier to learn those things yeah. on the job, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's, that's like basically what I'm saying. Like a lot of the times, like it, it helps. Like obviously if you want to be a nurse, you should go to like nursing school or whatnot. Um, but there's so many jobs that you could learn everything you need to know on the job. Like you don't need to like do the four years of schooling to like do it. And it's like kind of weird in the way that like we're using it as a way to like, I guess, select people that we think are like smart or whatever. And it's basically like who is most successful at learning in this system um, as opposed to like who is most like even if you have a degree you're not necessarily the most qualified for a job i would say i don't know this is just my thought. i think there's a lot of issues with like the society we live in and like the job market um but i i'm the visionary i would say, I would say <laughs> maybe a little too much sometimes okay well we've been going almost two hours and after this podcast i'm realizing there's so much more we could talk about yeah. and i think it's lucky that we both go to the same school because i would definitely be down to have yeah. you on again mm -hmm. assuming you're down and so basically what I do at the end of each podcast is I ask the same question to each guest because I like to see the different perspectives that I get from the question. So this is the final question of the podcast. What is something that you've learned in your life that has impacted your life in a significant way? Okay. What is something I've learned in my life? That's, <clears throat> um, that's a very hard question. And I feel, cool. like, <laughs> I feel like I had an answer. Um, I feel like I had an answer, but I don't know what it is. I bet um, I bet I know what's going on in your head. You have so many answers. Right? I, I, have, I have a lot of things that I could say. Um, but one thing, and I think this resonates with like a lot of what I've said, we had to do like this thing for IP called the extended essay. It was like a 4,000 word essay. Um, and I did mine on abortion, and it was like based on like this argument that this one author made, and it was an analogy. Um, and basically my whole thing that I learned from like having to do that like long essay was like even though analogies are great and we can like gain a lot from like using the same reasoning in a different situation you can't necessarily compare and like anything to something else because like in the reality of the situation the analogy is not the situation like you can analogize all you want but like it's not the same as like the issue so like a lot of the times when people are making arguments by analogy like you kind of equate something that's you that seems equivalent logically but it really isn't because there's everything in this world is much more nuanced than you can than you can think and i think that goes back to me saying like a lot about expectation versus reality yeah i'm actually really glad you said that because i feel like i use analogy so much mm -hmm. in my thinking but that's a really good point because like when I hear someone use an analogy to make an argument, yeah. my mind, I just automatically go, oh shit, okay. Yeah. But that's a good point because it's even if they seem similar, there's differences between the two situations. Exactly. So it doesn't necessarily should work as an argument all the time. Yeah, I think, I think analogies I like are important and I think we need them in a lot of situations like when you're making a point in an argument and you can't like necessarily prove it in any other way. Um, but I think we overuse analogies to the point where it's like, we are like creating a different like the thing with expectations versus reality you're creating a different expectation for like an event that isn't the same thing so in reality like everything is very distinct and a lot more nuanced that's what yeah. I, have to say. I think that's actually that's a really good mm -hmm. piece of information to keep in mind well 
I really enjoyed having you on. Yes, thank you so much. I hope I'll have you on again yes. soon. Uh, yeah, thanks for being on.